No stop signs. Speed limit. Nothing's gonna slow me down. Like a wheel, gonna spin it. Nobody's gonna mess me around. Hey, Satan! Paid my dues. Playing in a rockin' band. Hey, Mama! Look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. Woo. I'm on a highway to hell! Highway to hell! I'm on a highway to hell! Highway to hell! Planes, trains, and automobiles on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Welcome to the Attack of the Killer Podcast Driver's Manual. This manual will provide you the information needed for a general understanding of the principles of safe and lawful operation of a motor vehicle. However, it is not intended to serve as a precise statement of this state's statutes, statute, that word, concerning the operation of a motor vehicle and should not be considered as such. The Attack of the Killer Podcast Driver's Manual is in association with the Phantom Podcast Network. <laughs> Go to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom for more information. Section 1. The driver's license. Who needs a driver's license? Ah, screw it. Don't waste your money on a driver's license. Use your hard-earned money for more important things like food, clothing, Blu-rays, or donate to our Patreon. You can help us uh, by keeping the show going by donating to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. You, you scratch our backs and we'll scratch yours by providing you with extra content such as bonus episodes. Now back to our manual. Section 2. Traffic Signs and Rules of the Road. Attack of the Killer podcast is an open discussion style podcast where a group of friends freely discuss horror films based on a particular topic. So there will be spoilers involved. So be cautious while out on the road. (laughs) Section 3. The podcast crew. He just flew in from Wyoming, then spent the next hour in the bathroom, and boy are his arms tired. Brian Clark, everybody. (laughs) Hello, everyone. (laughs) He just got a part in a movie. Unfortunately, he didn't realize it was a gay porn parody movie called Trouser Snakes on a Plane. Dustin Neal. (laughs) No. Yeah, what's up? Motherfucking Trouser Snakes. (laughs) Yeah. He believes that Maximum Overdrive is the prequel to the Pixar Cars films. Jason Bollinger. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? What's up, everybody? There's no humans in that movie, in those Cars movies. I think that's what happened. And lastly, she's like the community bicycle. That's because everybody knows that Terry believes that bicycles are a healthy and environmental safe form of transportation. Terry Turford, everybody! 
Saved it. I was gonna. I was wait. I was. I was getting ready to beat you up. <laughs> okay. So, before we get into our topic, oh, I should say, um, shit, and I didn't write anything clever for it, but. Um, John, John Stalter's not with us at the moment, but he should hopefully be joining us later. Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see where the road takes us. Oh, saved it. Yep. <laughs> so before we get into our discussion, let's jump into some killer news. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines. Attack on the Killer Podcast. Okay, I wanted to talk about Friday the 13th, the game, because it is finally out. It only took several years. Well, maybe not several years, but it did take a while. But uh, I really wanted to uh, get to play with everybody I knew who had it before I talked about it on here. And uh, Justin Bean was the last person, and I got to play with him this weekend. And after much back and forth, we finally made it work and played. And it's such a fun game. It's getting uh, a, so much use on it on its first few days of release that it crashed. That they're just all their servers just went down. They didn't anticipate everybody to uh, purchase this many people to purchase the game and play it. So things started off pretty rocky, um, but. Now having played it, because I've seen a lot of footage, it's it's the best love letter I've ever seen for Friday the 13th. Um, every detail is there. Um, I, I mean, I wish somebody else was here to talk to talk with me about it. They made it for pretty much every platform. I think we've discussed that before. Um, but essentially, you are either set as one of five counselors... Or eight, eight counselors, and then somebody is Jason. So uh, you basically, if you're a counselor, you run for your life and try to get away from Jason. And there's <laughs> ways that you can escape. You can you can find the battery for the car and the keys and the gas and then escape that way. Nice. Uh, you can es- escape through a boat. You can uh, call the cops. Tommy fucking Jarvis is there and, and can save you as well. Um <laughs> And if you're Jason, you just go around and kill people. And you kill them in the the coolest way possible with all the kills that are from the movie. And there are so many Jasons. Uh, And one of the coolest things, and one of the little details that none of my friends that I've been playing with get, because they're not as big into the movies as I am, but if we were all here to play it, we would notice it right away. Um, When you're a counselor... And Jason gets close to you. It starts going, it starts doing that. So it alerts the counselor that, hey, he's near. But when he's in view, it turns on Friday the 13th music. But depending on what Jason it is, it plays Which that Jason's. Themes? Yeah, it plays oh. like a. So like you know, there's the the Jason goes to hell. Jason, it plays that uh, version of the song when he's near you, uh, you know, and, and the like. Jason three, Three's you know, it the plays discoy one. <laughs> it doesn't play the disco oh. one. No. Oh, I wish it did. Oh, that'd have been awesome. <clears throat> um, and, and it goes down the line, you know, with you know, depending on which Jason is. 
being yeah, played. Yeah, oh. whoever they can choose. And you unlock Jasons by getting more experience points and oh. and stuff like that down the road. And Jason obviously has the advantage. He he can almost kill everybody. Um, you know, in in the entire match, you do escape once in a while, but not very often. He's going to get you. <laughs> um, they just released uh, today, uh, as of this recording. Uh, free DLC, and this just doesn't happen, and this is an independent company, but they released the Retro Jason uh, costume, so that's from the the Friday the 13th uh, NES game, so he's purple with like, oh, a cool. mask, and what's cool is that uh, one of my favorite Retro Wave artists, Mitch Murder, uh, does the music for when he's near you, so it's going to be 8-bit music. <laughs> when he gets close to you. So again, they're following with that theme, which is just incredible. Um, wow. There is, uh, you know, part three is my favorite, and I've watched it so much um, that I know the I know the locations, like the back of my hand. I know the barn. I know the cabin. I know what they look like. I know what's in them. I know where <laughs> things are. And they've, they've just done this in this game, you know, to the T, and it's beautiful. And uh, it's getting the game gets is getting a lot of flack right now because uh, there are big gamers playing it. Uh, you know, a gamer not necessarily a fan of the series. So when you're a big gamer, what you expect is for one that you can get connected successfully and have a full match uh, and not have these glitches that some people are having. Um, but as a fan, it's like the best thing ever. So, and, and you don't have to be good at, at this game. And that's what a lot of people uh, are getting frustrated at. Cause they're like, oh, I'm always dying. I'm not getting enough experience points. Well, you like nobody is. You just have to play over and over and over and over again. Nobody's good at this game. Jason's gonna kill you ninety percent of the time, and you can't. You can. You can't kill Jason. But the way you have to kill him is fucking ridiculous for once i'm gonna i'm just gonna say this then i'll be finished we can move on uh to kill jason it takes at least probably three counselors first of all you have to be a woman counselor you have to somehow make it to jason's shed where his shrine of his mother is and grab her sweater and put it on only a girl counselor can put on the sweater uh, so if you're a guy counselor and you make it to his shed, you can't put it on. So then you have to call Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis just isn't a counselor already. Somebody has to die and come back as Tommy Jarvis. He won't uh-huh. come back unless you find a radio in a randomly placed cabin to call him. So that has to happen. So awesome. you get together with Tommy Jarvis. And you get together with the girl with the sweater, and she hypnotizes Jason. Then, if you have enough people around, they have to hit Jason over and over and over again until his mask's, mask comes off. And when his mask comes off, it looks like whatever Jason they are underneath the mask, which is badass. Um, once his mask is off, then Tommy Jarvis has to kill him with a machete. But that's that's if you get all those things together, which probably isn't going to happen. So just know that you, you're not going to have very much luck killing Jason. But if, if you have a chance, pick it up, play it. Their servers are fixed now. You get connected right away. Um, it's 
you know, there, you, there, there's rarely any uh, disconnects from like your game unless somebody's got like a really shitty connection. But uh, we've I've had so much luck the last couple of times playing it that I, I haven't even thought about that type of stuff. But it's excellent. It's around I think forty dollars. It's digital. You can also get a physical release. I think still maybe from their Kickstarter they might have some left. It depends. They're kind of that's kind of a gray area. I still haven't gotten my physical release yet. Uh, but either way, um, yeah, you, sh- you should definitely play it. You should definitely check it out. Every- people are 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 playing it that just don't even play video games, and that's what I think is cool. People who are who are horror fans of the series are picking it up and playing it. Can so you can just, you play it by yourself, or do you have to have a group? You don't have to have a group. Um, you can play it by yourself, but you're still playing with random people that are also connecting to the same. Uh, lobby as you um so that's another thing and and we've gotten so many friends now that are playing it that we're rarely ever playing with strangers so it's always in good fun because if you do start to play with um complete strangers they won't help you i mean you have to work together as counselors you have to talk (laughs) to each other uh but then you have some you know some random person that's playing and um, you know they've got music on in the background. It's coming through the mic, and when that's happening, Jason can hear that. I mean, he he it shows oh. him where you are on the map, and he can warp there, and then you're dead. So you don't want to go to the guy or girl who's just yelling at the top of their lungs to their microphone because Jason's going to be there quick, and he's going to kill him. So sometimes if I'm <laughs> Uh, playing with strangers, I play. I'll I'll avoid everyone as possible as much as possible to just get out of there myself. But if I'm playing with my group of friends, like we were doing with Justin, um, it, we all were working together to get the car going or get the boat going. So that can, it can be a lot of fun both ways for sure. Sounds awesome. pretty awesome, dude. Very awesome. I uh, <clears throat> I I don't like talking about my day job too much on the show but i i just gotta say based on my experience with my day job is i think they i think they honestly i feel like they've highly underestimated um how how successful this game was going to be they did yeah um you know and understandably so you know you make this game and you think well it's just going to appeal to the Friday Thirteenth fans, or you know, the horror fans, or what have you. But you're right when it's like every, you know, every type of gamer is 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 playing this game. Not since, <clears throat> you know, in my my nine to five job, not since Minecraft was only available as as a download, have I had as many people asking about a game that is just a download, download <laughs> yeah. downloadable game. Every day, people are asking for this game, and I'm like, it's only just a download. There's no physical copy. And you were right. a store that's only physical copies. What's that? But you're, you work where there's only physical copies. That's why. Well, we we sell of... we sell digital content for sure, but we don't sell the codes particular particularly for this game, and probably because it's an independent title. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that's probably why. But you know, you could always. You know, get like a, you know, pay for the pay for the the amount of the game in in, in PlayStation currency, and and mm-hmm. and use that instead of having to put your credit card or 
uh, <clears throat> through the P- through the PlayStation Network. But yeah, so um, so I wonder like if there's like bigger developmental teams that maybe these independents tried to work with that got rejected. They're kind of kicking themselves in the ass right now. You know what I mean? And if you go to their Kickstarter, they have some great videos about how it all came about. Because this game was called Summer Camp, and I was pretty pumped for it when it was called Summer Camp because Tom Savini was still on board, and so was Harry Manfredini, who mm. does the music. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Sean S. Cunningham comes out of nowhere and says, Hey, do you guys want the licensing for the first few movies? And they don't really talk specifics, but to me, it almost implies like he just gave it to them. So, you know, which is the best thing ever, uh-huh. because yeah. if you look at, and it was probably the right thing to do, if you look at our only Friday the 13th game, it's a Nintendo game that came out in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s on, on the NES. I mean, we haven't had anything forever. Yeah. And if you're going to compare the two, uh, and if you're a complainer of the current game right now, then you need to go back and see what we had before, because <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's yeah. almost unplayable. Yeah, the, that original Friday the 13th game is historically like considered one of the worst or the most frustrating video games of all time. Definitely yeah, one exactly. of the most frustrating of all time. And, but then mm-hmm. recently there were skins for Mortal Kombat, right? Is that what... Or you could get the character... In Mortal Kombat, X, you can play as Jason, yeah. So you got a little bit of a taste, but right. wasn't yeah, his own I, game or anything. And I feel like just... Again, personal opinion here, but I feel like that was an amazing move by Neverworld to start including these these horror characters in yeah. in their Mortal Kombat games. Like it feels like that we could be in a day and age of that old that old Terror Dome game that you've talked about in the Terror past, Dustin. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. of something like that being more of a reality. You know what I mean? It's getting closer and closer. I mean, if they see... I mean, other developers have to see the, the cash that this Friday 13th game is making. I mean, the the reason that they, they crashed on the first day is because they looked at their pre-orders and looked at how many people were going to physically have the game. They took that into account and then upped it by, like, thousands and thousands of more. So, like, okay, yeah, we'll be good because, you know, we're going to have all this buffer space here. So when people try to connect, <laughs> no problem. Well, they didn't count on people like me buying the game for people they wanted to play with, and uh, you know, and then they bought bought that game for somebody else, and it, just, it was just you know piggybacking off and off and off until so many people had the game that they just blew up their servers, and I think uh, there were some sleepless nights on their end, and and they've been so great um, yep. posting messages about how. Uh, you know what they're doing, how they're what they're going to do to fix it. They've been completely open to the community, and the community, and because there's some fucking dickheads out there, have just been like <laughs> yeah. totally trashing them, and they respond to it. And nobody does that. You don't if if EA, if EA Games releases a, a Battlefield or whatever, yeah, and something shitty happens, and you go to their Facebook and write on there, odds are they're never going to reply to it. No, and with this company, Ilphonic and. Um, I forgot the other part of their name, but uh, they've been responding, and they've been so cool about it. And like today, they're like, "Hey, we're sorry. Here's a bunch of experience points. Here's a new Jason. This is free content that just doesn't happen. That's going to be uploaded tomorrow. Like, it's just really cool." Was I, I watched that video too? It was pretty cool of them to just own it and and yeah, say thanks and just they want to make it up to you like legit good people. It felt like so. Yeah. Oh, they're still small. <laughs> oh. 
Add another zero or two and they'll forget all <laughs> and then that. They'll, then they'll, they'll stop being so cool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think like I think we are, as, as horror fans, we're going to start seeing um, some, some change in the gaming community of something of stuff that it would appeal more towards us. Like, have you heard of this Dead by Daylight, Dustin? Yeah, I have. That's coming out? So yeah, and which sounds a lot like the sounds a lot like this Friday Thirteenth game. So yeah, th- that one had some trouble though, didn't it? Like it was with licensing and stuff, or they were gonna get. Um... I don't know. I know it's it's still planning on coming out this year, so I don't know. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> so cool. Exciting stuff. Oh, any other news? Killer news. That was the epitome of killer news. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool then. So let's get into let's get into the episode at hand, and we are talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. I guess they really didn't um, describe what that means. Um, Those aren't pillows. <laughs> uh, so basically, Sorry. we're going to be talking about horror movies that uh, deal with some form of transportation. In a horrific way. Much like the classic Killdozer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> Why is everyone so down on Killdozer? <laughs> I don't know, man. I love it. Well, well, if you call a movie Killdozer, maybe more than like four people will die. I don't know. You gotta have more than four people on the island, first of all. Jesus. <laughs> can't you just step to the side? Really? <laughs> Seriously, there's a scene yeah. in that movie that's like the fucking Austin Powers where they're in the steamroller and, like, <laughs> and the guy in the truck, you know what I'm talking about? You're talking the when the black guy gets killed? No, there's a guy oh. in the truck. He like shoots out from these bushes in this small little truck and it dies in the sand. And the killdozer's like a fucking mile away. And he's like trying <laughs> to start it. And it's slowly, slowly coming and slowly oh, coming. Yeah, I and know he just like closes his eyes and it runs him over. I'm like, just get out of the truck and walk away with maybe a little bit of pace. You'd be okay. <laughs> I guess you guys can already tell what I thought of the movie. <laughs> hey, as soon as the opening starts and there's this really, you know, shitty looking green or not green, but blue <laughs> I uh, got excited. meteor crashing towards a really fake looking earth. I'm like, yes. I'm sold. I'm like, if this movie is telling me that a meteor is going to cause a bulldozer to come to life and kill people, sold. I'm full in. He said that out loud. The the meteor actually gets a kill. One of the kills in the movie is from the meteor. (laughs) And it's a significant kill because that was Robert Urich. Really? No one? Okay. I'm the old guy. Call it Kill Meteor. Freaking Spencer for Hire. Yeah, yeah, so like one out of the, how many, four deaths? One of them was actually just the meteor, so. I don't care, I thought it was awesome. So this was your your first time seeing it then, Mike? This is my, this was my first time seeing it. Now was it, was it a made-for-TV movie? Yes, it was. Okay, because it was short. Yeah, and that also explains why there's only four people on an island, because it's a TV movie. They didn't have the money to... Yeah. 
Man, Mike was just talking to the TV that whole time. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when that bulldozer hits the front of the meteor and the meteor starts glowing, I'm like, I shout it out loud. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, no, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? <laughs> oh, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I don't care what you say, Dustin. Despite the fact that there are only four or five people in the movie for the killdozer to kill those, you get a lot of bulldozer action. Yeah. Like, they don't fuck around with that. You see that bulldozer smash a lot of shit. Yeah, when it destroys it's like, the it's camp. Like the kids on site. And it's a pretty okay. smart bulldozer too. I like the the scene where it's like throwing rocks at everybody. <laughs> I remember back when my grandparents first got their satellite dish for their TV. That was a big deal because we lived out in the country, so you know we had just the three big networks and PBS, and that was it. And so I, whenever mom and dad would go away on a trip or whatever and I'd stay with grandma and grandpa I'd watch sci-fi channel back when it used to be awesome just yeah non-stop and I remember seeing a trailer for this like they advertised it was going to be on the next week or whatever so I had to absolutely make sure that mom and dad knew that I had to go over to grandma and grandpa's that night <laughs> so I could watch a bulldozer run people over for an hour and a half <laughs> and yeah, I wasn't disappointed then. I've seen it a bunch of times since, and it's still great. And when they kill... Ta- oh, go ahead. No, no, you first. I was just going to say, and they kill it with electricity. How else are you going to kill a killdozer? Well, the ending is totally lifted from the original 1951 Howard Hawks version mm-hmm. of the thing, where they lure the creature onto the platform yeah. and electrocute oh, yeah. it. Exactly the same ending. <laughs> nice. This is the first remake of the thing. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, remote location, alien menace. Yeah. Kill it with electricity, limited resources. They don't have a, you know, explosives and guns. Actually, they probably should have a bunch of explosives, shouldn't they? Being that it's a Well, well, when it destroyed the camp and it ran over all the oh, dynamite yeah, right. it and it didn't affect it, yeah. so they yeah, so they gave up on trying to kill trying to stop it with dynamite. That's right. That was going to be their original plan. Well, you were talking earlier about the when the black guy gets killed, and it he's hiding in that pipe. Yeah, that's I and found it, that kind of which amusing. is like the easiest kill that the thing has in the whole movie. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to gift wrap yourself for me, and it just <laughs> runs the pipe over. But that's not the part that cracks me up about that. It's afterwards when they're having their little impromptu funeral and they have the regular, you know, human shaped, like six foot by two foot wide, you know, grave with the little cross on it. What did they bury? Did they drag that pipe over to the hole they dug and just up upend it and pour the guy out into the grave? Because there's nothing left after that. <laughs> Good point. I didn't even think of that. They just buried the whole pipe, I guess. But the grave's just a person sized that pipe was like 12 feet long yeah maybe broke off i don't know but like that no, was i'm a... convinced they just poured his remains into the grave i like that idea for but... some for somebody who <laughs> somebody who just got flattened by a bulldozer that that grave was was a pretty big mound <laughs> terry did uh, you I... terry did you see killdozer i did yeah 
<laughs> it was very silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I spaced out at a lot of it, but yeah. It was an hour and 13 minutes. <laughs> I know. It was, it was fun and all, but I don't know. I wasn't super into it, I guess. I definitely caught the slow motion deaths, but there weren't that many, so. Uh, good times. Jason, did you watch it? Just, I watched you watch it. I just, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you were here for the whole time I watched it. It was like, when you missed the exciting ending, but no, you were here. Yeah, <clears throat> totally was. Oh, and you're, you're better for it. Mm. <laughs> now, Brian, do you know at all, has this movie been released on, like, DVD or Blu-ray or anything? I don't believe it has. I'm not 100% sure. I I think there was a VHS version at one point. Nice. Um, I know Fright Rags did a t-shirt of it. <laughs> oh, cool. I'll tell you what. what? Yeah. It's a cool shirt, too. It's probably cooler than the movie. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Most of them are, yeah. <laughs> I, I miss... Um, one of the things I miss about the 70s and, and early 80s were the made-for-TV movies. Just because, like... Th- who thought making a movie called Killdozer to air primetime NBC or whatever was a good idea? <laughs> you missed those. Have you already forgotten Ants? Uh, so not all of them are winners. You know what my all-time favorite one is? Um <laughs> Well, I mean, like, um, uh, Night of the Scarecrow is definitely up there, but the one that has always had a soft, I've had a soft spot for, I love it so much, is Gargoyles. Oh, yes. That movie's awesome. That is a cool one. Early Stan Winston monster effects. It was just mm-hmm. on Sven Gulli a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no kidding? Damn. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been a perfect environment to watch watch that one again. I have it on DVD, but still. Anyway, so, Killdozer. So it is on DVD. Jason's uh, doing some looking. Yeah, they've got Universal Vault series. And Am- it's even Amazon's Choice. Like, they have that banner on the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's got some sweet special features or something. Is that one of those print-on-demand service like Warner Archives? Maybe, I don't know. It is on demand. Like DVR. DVR, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Special features. None. Okay, so Dustin, <laughs> you you weren't into Killdozer. Uh, what is a uh, what is a movie that you you would want to talk about? Uh, well, one of my new favorite movies is definitely Duel. Holy cow! Like. Yeah. Is this like the first time you've seen it, or I had seen the end, and for oh. some reason I always thought the guy in the car was Michael Gross, oh. and uh, so when I turned it on, I'm like, well, that's not Michael Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was a surprise when I started watching it. But um, you know, I always knew that uh, that it was Steven Spielberg. But man, this is this looks so good and is directed so well, and mm-hmm. the shots are so awesome in this movie. And this is another 
made for TV movie, if I'm not mistaken, right? Originally, it, it yes. It was, yeah. yeah. It did and, get a theatrical release in Europe, though. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these car movies, especially the ones I watched, are, like, made for TV movies. And I don't know if we want to get into that or not, but and why that is and why there aren't more theatrical car movies, but there should be. Um, but, yeah, I love this movie. I thought its pacing was just incredible. Um, I thought all the shots from the corners of the car, which you just you just don't see that anymore. Everything's digital. They don't put camera mounts on cars and actually drive them around anymore. I mean, it was just... It felt so real, and it, it didn't feel dated, other than just a few things like the diner and, you know, the whole, tr- I guess, trucker aspect and two-lane road. But that's that's just part of its awesome charm. I I, thought, I, I don't know if you guys liked it or not or, or like it, but I thought it was incredible, and it was definitely one of my favorite. And if I can get this somehow in my collection, I'm going to. But I just thought it was great. There's a new Blu-ray a- that's out that's... Got the theatrical version. It's only ten bucks. Wow. Yeah, that's a steal, then. Yeah. 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 I'm right there along with you. I remember first buying. I've never seen it before until I did a blind buy uh, when it when it first came out on DVD because you know they made a big deal about it being Steven Spielberg's first movie and stuff. And and actually, probably more than that is like I, I'm a huge fan of Jeepers Creepers. So, oh, I definitely felt that in this for sure. Yeah, and if you listen to Victor Silva's uh, commentary track on there, um, he talks about how Duel, the first half of the movie was highly influenced by Duel, and you can obviously you can obviously tell. So I'm like, oh, I yeah. gotta see this Duel, and so it came out on on DVD, and oh, I fell in love with it. It's it's probably one of probably definitely within the top top three or four. Of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies by far. So Victor Salvo managed to stop talking about how pretty he thought Justin Long was long enough to give some information about the movie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Duel but is you, awesome. Like the, the I love the truck driver, um, as well. And I watched uh, three movies in a row. I watched the, I watched this duel. I watched Wheels of Terror, which I don't think was on our list, but I watched it anyway because I wanted to, um, and The Car. And all three of these movies do something that I thought was great, and almost all these movies are very similar, where they didn't show the driver, didn't show their yeah. face um, you know, or spirit, depending on how you think, whoever you think was driving the vehicle. And they did that in Duel. But you, you, you got to see this driver. You knew it was a, a person in in the semi in duo, which I thought was so cool. And I even thought it was cooler that they didn't show him because it just it just made him man, more I, I ominous, right? Word. Yeah, just yeah, just so and it made it that more frightening. Like I can't imagine being on the road and being terrorized by uh, a, a semi truck driver in a small like Plymouth. Uh, I can't remember what the car was, but. Um, and then not being able to see him, to not make eye contact, uh, because what's the first thing you do when you're out on the road and someone pulls out in front of you, or uh, you know, pulls out in front of you, or slams on their brake in front of you? You want to see that motherfucker, and if you don't, <laughs> it sticks with you. Like I want to see that guy's fucking face, and he doesn't get to see his face in this. And you know that to me, that was just another terrifying aspect of it. 
he did a great job. Steven Spielberg did a great job of making the character, making the semi truck a character in and of itself. I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't ever see the driver and the monster of this horror movie is the semi so much so yeah. that when it goes off the cliff it makes a it makes a roaring noise <laughs> that little tidbit of nerd information there that roaring noise is actually the sound effect used for the dinosaur dying at the end of the Ray Harryhausen movie Valley of Guanji and <laughs> Spielberg reused it again at the end of Jaws as the shark is sinking down into the water you hear that roar wow. awesome very awesome, and well, if we're gonna continue with uh, with nerdy trivia, so you, we mentioned before that it did get a European release, uh, theatrical release, but the original running time for the TV movie was only seventy four minutes, and so it technically wasn't long enough for the theatrical run. So Steven Spielberg had to go back and shoot additional scenes in order to make it a ninety minute film, and one of those scenes is my favorite scene of the whole movie where. Uh, where he's sitting at the railroad crossing, and the and the semi pushes him up onto the uh, <clears throat> on onto the tracks as the train's coming. Ooh, yeah. That's my favorite scene in the whole freaking movie, and that was an afterthought. That was like additional <laughs> stuff shot for the theatrical release, and that's uh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's a big piece of the terror right there. I mean, everybody has that fear. I think I would I would I would think everybody would have that fear of just like somebody pushing them on like railroad tracks holy shit that would just be too goddamn scary uh-huh. this is one of the few instances i think of the movie improving on the source material which is surprising since it's based on a short story by richard matheson who is right. pro- probably one of the most flawless science fiction writers ever um but in the story the truck is I want to say it's yellow and blue, if I remember correctly. Like It's just a regular old color scheme tanker truck. But for the movie, they customized it, made it look all armored and rusty and kind of more menacing, scary-looking truck. And you get a little bit more of the driver in the story, too, whereas this, you just see his boots walking on the ground, and that's about it. Like Enough to tell you that there is a person driving it, but that's it. You know, you never see his face. You never hear him talk. So the the movie actually Spielberg made some good choices in making the truck more of a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than just, it is than a, just a pissed off truck driver. Yeah. yeah. And and you're gonna we're gonna probably get into other movies uh, in this conversation that I feel is directly influenced by Duel as well. You know, I already mentioned Jeepers Creepers, but I I, I can think of a, another one or two that are on our on our list that uh, really felt had m- moments of duel uh, in their films. Um, and I love, I've, I love movies that are really simplistic like this. I mean, it's just, it's one man in his car versus a truck for, you know, for 90 minutes. And, and a good portion of this movie is him in, driving in his car. Um, you know, I mean, he gets out from time to time, like at the diner and stuff like that. But uh, <clears throat> um, to be able to, I, I, what I love about simplistic stories like that is is the quality of the film, the filmmaker and the people involved in the film that can take something so simplistic and keep me entertained for ninety minutes. 
Yeah. The, only, the only thing I would love to have seen Steven Spielberg maybe push himself even further is to get rid of the uh, get rid of the voiceover inner monologue stuff. I was just going to mention that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it hurts the film, but like you know, I would think that'd even be more of a challenge to like keep us captivated for 90 minutes without him having having this you know this dialogue in his head that we're hearing. Well, and see, that's where, you know, I honestly don't like inner dialogue in movies. But for this movie, I felt that it worked for me because um, it's the he's thinking the exact same thing or the exact same way that I would do. If somebody's trying to run me off the road, my head is just it's it's got all these ideas. I'm like, well, maybe you know, I did pass them. You know, may, did I piss them off? Or you know, I don't know what did I, what did I do? Did I make the mistake? No, no, he tried to kill me. You know, it's he's going through all these things, and and it's exactly what we would all be thinking about if if we we're in the same situation. And I thought it was cool to throw that in there because if you don't, then you because he's he's losing his bearings in the diner scene, and I don't know another way to show that he is uh, sure. without him having some kind of inner dialogue or without having some kind of other main character. And the whole time I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, man, if they remade this movie, I I can tell you all the ways that they would just fucking ruin it. So, um, and, that, and that would be one of them. I think that this movie works with that inner dialogue, but that's just me though. Yeah, it works. Um, don't get me wrong. I agree that it works. I would just, I would like to see it without it, you know, and still trying, you know, when I'm, am I making any sense? Like just trying to, uh, trying to push your storytelling even further, um, your abilities as a storyteller even further by getting rid of that and trying to maintain everything that you still want to get across just without that, without that dialogue, you know. Right. Uh, <clears throat> It just would have been it would have been neat, but like you said, it works. It does work. The inner inner monologue stuff works. So there was a uh, Parker Brothers merchandised um, a board game of the film. I would love to get my hands on that. <laughs> it it didn't sell very well, so I I don't think there's probably very many copies of it out there. But that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, how do you play that? Good question. <laughs> Good question. Awesome. Terry, did you see Duel? Nope, I didn't get a chance to see this one. Okay. And I know Jason mentioned the Blu-ray, that you have the Blu-ray of it. Did you watch it? I didn't get to watch it. I ended up watching it on YouTube. But Oh, you I watched it, it on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, okay. But so you I, have seen it? Yeah, yeah. And I'd seen it before. Yeah. I just was stoked to watch it again. and Yeah, it's fucking solid. That's great. You linked their the Blu-ray to our chat here, and it's just got the worst fucking cover. It's not a great ever. cover. That's <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what that cover reminds me of. Speed. Steven Spielberg's first film. Oh, yeah. You talk about it, Brian. The dueling. Yeah, I, I had my little oh, yeah. trivia moment, and <laughs> it's a great <laughs> movie. I talked a little bit about the story. Yeah. 
Okay. You just tu- you just tune me out, don't you? No, I remember <laughs> that now that you said it. Well, who wants to talk about another one? Jason does. I know. I was, try- I was trying to get to the list and <laughs> see what I watched. Uh, or Brian does. I do. Alright, didn't I know I'm gonna say this and no one's gonna have watched it. <laughs> has anyone has anyone seen the Night Flyer? Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, oh, I watched good, it. Huh? Okay. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> well what did you guys think? <laughs> oh, nice turnaround. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, the <clears throat> cover poster for or DVD art or whatever is very revealing. <laughs> it's just got like yeah. the vampire creature that they reveal at the end of the movie right on the front. I'm like, gee, thanks for ruining that for me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it has. Oh, what's his face? Miguel Ferrer. Miguel. Yeah, he just died, didn't he? That's sad. Yes. Uh, but he was awesome. He's such an asshole. He's so good at being an asshole. Or was so, good. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> such a nice guy in real life. You ever hear interviews with him and stuff? He's so funny. Uh-huh. He tells great stories. He's, yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was a really interesting, and I, I haven't read, I know it's based on a, a short story by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. But I haven't read the story, so I thought it was really interesting having a vampire like living in a plane. It's such a just a, a cool idea that yeah. he can just fly anywhere and attack at night. And... Yeah, I thought it like totally f- felt like an awesome '90s Stephen King story movie. <coughs> but my hardest, I, I just I, I laughed through the whole fucking thing because. They tried to make a news reporter like a badass rock star, and I just every time they <laughs> they tried but to he's do a it. Tabloid reporter, right? Yeah, that's why it's like they tried and- to make a tabloid reporter <laughs> like a fucking rock star, and I laughed every time he was badass and told it like it was, and was a dick, and I'm like, see, I think had he been like a local news channel guy that would have been silly but be like you have to assume that people who wrote for tabloids just were the lowest form of life i guess there probably <laughs> still are some tabloids aren't there are they all like yeah. tv shows and websites now but like yeah, back when the weekly world stuff. news was huge you know bat boy and all that stuff i mean obviously mm-hmm. that wasn't investigative journalism but you know these people probably did go out and talk to a lot of loonies to get their story ideas and I can see just yeah. being like real world weary because he does all that true crime stuff. He's always, you know, bringing back photos of you know people's drowned babies and shit like that. So, yeah, but um, a rock star <laughs> like he's a fucking king. Well, shit, like, like all the ladies want to like want to do. Him. He wants, yeah, all the ladies want him, and he's he can do whatever he wants, and he's just you're a reporter. This I guess I just never took him to be more of the world weary asshole than. Uh supposed to be so, but I, I just say I had fun with every time he tried to be badass I'm just like oh it's Miguel Ferrer he can yeah, do whatever well, the fuck yeah. he wants that's true too that's right yeah 
but so he plays this character named Richard Dees, who is a rock star reporter. That's right. And <laughs> he is fed up getting all the shit assignments at the paper because he just keeps getting put on these crime stories because he was involved with some serial killer case. And so this new serial killer case comes up, and it's this guy who flies around killing people at airports, and he gets sent out, and uh, the, the, how does he call her, Jimmy Olsen? Is that the, the new yeah. reporter? Where yeah. she gets sent on that assignment, too, so they're kind of, like, trying to one-up each other, and he tricks her into thinking they're going to team up, and then you know, locks her in a closet shit so he can get out ahead and get the scoop. And, uh, of course, it turns out that he gets in a little too deep, and sure enough, this thing actually is a vampire. And they do play a little bit of that, uh, is it all in, you know, is he the crazy killer? Uh-huh. Like, has the job just gotten to him, or is there really a monster? And then you see at the end, like, yes, there's really a monster. Um, <laughs> the thing that hung me up the most about the movie, and this is such a weird little quibble, I know, but it has nothing to do with the characterization or any of that. It's the part where he's, uh, the, the, the vampire, first of all, his name is Dwight Renfield, which is yeah. very cutesy, clever, haha, because Dwight Fry was the guy who played Renfield in the 1931 Dracula. And, uh, so Dwight is already in his head at this point and he makes him hallucinate this vicious dog that's going to come after him and, and kill him. And so he jumps in his car to get the fuck out of there. And he guns the gas, and the car burns out, tearing up because it's on, like, grass and a gravel road. And there's a tire squealing sound effect. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> tires don't squeal on grass. <laughs> I know it's a tiny little stupid thing, but there it is. <laughs> and it happens a lot more than you think. Oh, I Yeah. <laughs> It bothered me a little bit that, um, and I don't know if it's in the story, I mean, they talk about it in the movie, that the cape that he wears is, like, the most stereotypical (laughs) vampire cape I've ever seen. I'm like, why is he wearing that? So that bothered me a little bit, but I got over it. Yeah, his costume's a little silly. Yeah. But the way they did his teeth, and that was pretty cool. That's a neat little take, right? Kind of reptilian, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. You seen it, Mikey? I didn't get a chance to see it, no. <coughs> but I agree that, um, that, um, Gail Ferrer is awesome. I've always been a big fan of him. And not just because of Robocop. Although that's mostly because hurt. of Robocop. Yeah. That's probably my first experience with him was Robocop, but yeah. And and so I'm just kinda like reading up his reading up on his IMDB page. I mean I knew he was the son of Jose Ferrer. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't I never realized that Jose Ferrer and um Rosemary Clooney were married. I didn't know that was a thing. Yep, he's George Clooney's cousin. So yeah, he's cousins with George Clooney, absolutely. And I I'm also okay. Uh, I'm also familiar with him because he um, was also friends with Bill Moomy, the little boy from Lost in Space, mm-hmm. um, who in the '70s and '80s had a novelty band called Barnes and Barnes. Um, you probably heard the song "Fish Heads," and um, huge Barnes and Barnes fan. 
always been a big Barnes and Barnes fan, and and he has been he was in a, a couple of their music videos, and then like uh, Bill Mooney had a um, a side band which was definitely a lot more serious than Barnes and Barnes, and um, uh, Miguel Ferrer played drums in that band, so that's I think that's how he knew Bill Mooney. Um, <clears throat> They were all friends and stuff, so. And um, this is probably only interesting to myself, <laughs> but uh, wrote uh, Barnes and Barnes produced a song. It was a duet with Rosemary Clooney and Wildman Fisher, and it was like the fucking coolest thing ever. <laughs> For those who don't know who Wildman Fisher is, he was like a street performer. Um, a highly schizophrenic street performer from the 60s that Frank Zappa discovered and recorded an album a two two record album with uh, in the in the mid 70s and then Frank Zappa cut ties with him when well man Fisher threatened threatened him and his whole family then he was rediscovered well man Fisher was rediscovered by um Richard Foose the founder of Rhino Records and then somewhere in there got associated with Barnes and Barnes. So this like classic, this classy lady Rosemary Clooney, like this jazz singer Rosemary Clooney, very talented singer, with this like raspy psycho schizophrenic guy, Wildman Fisher, doing a song together. I just think <laughs> that's just awesome. <laughs> Crazy. Yep. That's enough about that. So. Uh, moving on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you gonna say something, Terry? Oh, oh, that because you hear me. I was like yeah. opening my mouth. How did you hear that? I heard it. <laughs> I hear everything. Uh, um. Well, I wa- finally watched Train to Busan. Yeah. Me too. And it was friggin' awesome. Me too! I mean, yes, it was! <laughs> yeah, I'm really sad that I didn't watch it um, before our end of the year episode, because it totally would have been on my list. To- it's that good. When Brian first told, told us about it, we well, listened. It should make you even sadder that, we, that you and I, Terry, had a chance to see that in a theater. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, really kicking myself over that one. I, cause I even debated, but I'm just like, yeah, somebody's got to watch the table. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anywho, but yeah, yeah, tell us about it. Does everybody had a chance to see it? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that this was on my top ten. Nice, nice, nice. Um, dad, investment dad guy. <laughs> Is taking his little daughter to his mom's, and so they get on the train to go, and then there's a big outbreak while they are on the train that is infecting people and. Will dead be dead rise to the occasion? (laughs) Yeah, basically. The thing is, is like you start the movie off really. I don't know. You get start the movie off feeling like okay, this is a 
a neglecting father. I mean, he seems to have full custody rights for some reason. Well, I don't... Hmm. Well, I'm just saying, that's how the movie starts that, to I set him up. They make, yeah, they, that's the tone they set up at the beginning. But there's that speech by my uh, by my favorite character in the film, the... The, um, the baby daddy? Yeah, yeah, the baby daddy. Yeah. Oh, he's um, the best. Person. I fucking love that guy. Anyway, but uh, he says something in there... You know, kind of like when they finally um, warm up to each other after they've saved each other's asses like two or three times. And he's like, and he's just talking to him about, you know, dads, you know, dads, you know, have to work all the time and we always get shit on for it. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, that's the case. Like, this guy isn't purposely neglecting his daughter, but, and, but that is the reality of, you know, of that, uh, of that country where, you know, the men work, you know, sunrise to sunset. You know, they bust their asses. It's not like he's purposely neglecting his child. He just has to. Yep. He just has to work. So, <clears throat> and you know, and uh, and it finally, he he kind of finally has a wake up call about that as well. So, which is cool. Oh man, emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. That ending. For sure. Oh my gosh. But I loved it. Because I like bummer endings. And the Academy Award... Well, it wasn't a total bummer ending, though. No. I mean... Yeah. It could have been. It could have been. It was almost there. The literal tunnel. (laughs) I get that. (laughs) They were in a tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) But even still, when they, like, survive, I, I even started you know tearing up at that moment because she's singing that song that she Mm -hmm. didn't she didn't want to sing because her dad wasn't there and it's oh my gosh yeah that Ah. yeah for sure like oh shit (laughs) what are emotions and the academy (laughs) award goes to that little girl for crying out loud no pun intended she was awesome oh you know it's just a really good cast i mean you either loved or hated them pretty much and what's you know cool what I mean? and what's cool about that is like we you know we love or hate these characters uh we can connect to these characters good or bad and and we recognize the quality of performance when there is clearly a um uh what's the phrase i'm looking for uh god damn it when um you know with it being from a, another culture another another country foreign oh well, yeah <laughs> but <Okay>. whatever words <laughs> i'm not sure what you're trying to say or i would help you <laughs> just that um you know, just the cultural differences. You know, a lot of times we watch foreign. We, you know, we watch, we watch a film for another country. Watch a foreign film, and, and we don't necessarily always connect to, to that because of the cultural differences. You know, or or the language barrier. I mean, this is all subtitled, and yet, you know, we really feel connected to these characters, even though it's it's a completely foreign land and language to us. Yeah, I think. I felt really bad for the one baseball kid. 
The awesome girl. He had girl. it rough, man. Yeah. Huh? It had the girl. Y yeah. Oh, uh huh. The yeah, the one that almost made it to the end. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean he you know he lost a bunch of his teammates and then he had to like. Didn't he have to help kill some of them, or he didn't have to? I well, can't they, remember. They went. They you know they were fighting their way through the cars. Right. And there was one car that just was his dead friend, baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then to make it all the way to the end, to have that one asshole. Oh, that asshole! Oh, he's so bad. Fuck that guy. <laughs> the worst. I was so mad when they showed that he was alive in the bathroom. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and he kept surviving, damn it. He just yeah. kept making it. Ah. <laughs> Not all the way, though. Ha! <laughs> he finally got it. This is a case, too, I think, of like... You know, I mean, it's a zombie movie. Um... And yet, it's still it's a really it it's a really good zombie movie that doesn't bore you with all the zombie cliches. And I think one of the masterful things about this movie is the fact that the majority of it takes place on this train, and mm -hmm. and dealing with that environment. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about about it on this episode, but you know, um, a lot of times they they they'll put. A, a horror situation in a confined space, like a train or a plane or whatever, and they don't really um, take advantage of what that environment uh, in that situation c could do. But I think they did a really good job with that. So I like the scene where they're crawling, crawling along the top of the uh, yeah the, 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 the luggage. Yeah, that's exactly what came to my mind too. I'm like, that was a really creative use of the environment yeah but they also did a kick-ass job of like letting us know it was a zombie movie but like we all started over w with the characters of like learning what all the rules were because they weren't a typical zombie necessarily yeah i wanted to ask you guys what uh -huh. you thought of their of, so of their really zombie cool. rules like the big one being that they have to see you if they see you, they will attack you. If they don't yeah. see you, they don't know you're there. I thought it was cool. I mean, they're all, it seems like nowadays everyone's trying to reinvent the zombie. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, I thought this was interesting enough that they, they were going to have to do something because, you know, the majority of the movie takes place on this train. So they were going to have to give... I guess our 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 heroes of somewhat of an advantage yeah. while Somewhere, still being in yeah. danger, yeah. and it works so well uh, for this yeah. because of their tight spaces. Well, yeah, and really cool when it came to like the tunnels they were going through in those scenes when it was black, like blackout for like yep. a few seconds or whatever. Those were really intense scenes. That was fun. Oh yeah. Making their way through the car. Well, and I like that there. they're like, they're dumb zombies. <laughs> like they can't open doors. Like they yeah. don't know how. Yeah. I liked that. I'm like, thank goodness they don't have functioning brains. Like it makes sense that they would not know how to open the doors. Just a straight killing machine. Like, and yeah, I could see you know 
some people out there may want to pick apart the the big rule of like you know why why is it just sight why not like smell or anything like that well and like hearing is a thing too because they take they they use that to yeah, their advantage in, in their in their situation too but you know it's just like my my question always with any zombie movie is what keeps a zombie attacking an, from attacking another zombie and the, the logic has always been is that you know like the the sense of smell being that they can smell the difference between like a living person mm-hmm. and a dead person like can you are they really going to pick up on just the 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 sight of it but they use they use that um that rule uh you know flawlessly in this movie and they stick with it like they they set it up right away and and they don't derail from it whatsoever so i think it's perfectly perfectly derail. fine what's that derail that's good yeah. <laughs> well i thought they looked really good too and i liked the way yeah. they moved it was super creepy and awesome i love the way they moved just very they just walk off the fucking roofs and oh top the action. they were like piranha you know they were just <laughs> constantly moving forward you know like they smelled blood and just going for it like in world war z they did that thing where just like zombies were creating a wall on each other you know like the super cgi shit and i think they do they do kind of the similar thing in this movie to a much better effect first of all it's not as over the top as it was in in world war z but uh um I just thought some of those some of those moments were really cool. Like when the zo- when like the two or three zombies are holding onto the back of the train, yeah, and they're just making this huge blanket of zombies that are that just holding crazy. on. Yeah, but it was so cool. But they were a little smart to be able to do that. That goes against the whole. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, when they'd crash through the window of the airport, and they would just they would just come, fl- you know. Falling down, raining down mm-hmm. from above, with no regard of like you know their bones are breaking and shit as they make impact, you know, very cool stuff. There's those, there's you know those moments here and there, like one of the earlier moments when when one of the cars, train cars is just full of zombies and they just start kind of piling up on top of each other. That shit looked oh, really yeah. good and looked really cool. Yeah, no, it was good. And there was lots of social commentary built into this one, too. I mean, you know, just the human relationships and that stuff was done really well. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a, got a little bit of a Stephen King mist feel there when uh, they finally get to the car where all the other survivors are at. And the Mm -hmm. one asshole guy has convinced everyone else that they, they need to go. Yeah. Or just yelling at him to get out. Yeah, just causing fear to yep. push his agenda there. Yep. Which blew up in his face. Haha, <laughs> fuck you, dude. <laughs> what else, Brian? You're being quiet about this one. Oh, I kind of already jizzed all over it in the year end episode, so I figured <laughs> I'd let other people have a chance who just saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will say the thing about them uh, sort of blanket grabbing the train I don't think they were exhibiting any kind of intelligence there they operate more like a hive 
almost sure, like yeah. insects. So all working together, they're not individually intelligent, but yeah, they're they're more. I almost said pack animals, but that's not right because they. That's even a little more working together. I don't think they're just all sort of this one mass of predators that are all going for the same goal, and they don't really care how they get there. Like that bit where you're talking about when they come breaking through the doors at the train station, they're almost, they're flowing. They're like the blob yeah. more than they are a bunch of individuals. Yeah, totally. I, I can see that for sure. Jason, what are your thoughts? So good! <laughs> yep, all those things. It was intense. But it had a great story. Yeah. Really, really good story. Really, characters and really captivating. You notice, too, like, no one ever used a gun versus these zombies in this movie. Like, that that whole yeah. can you kill them by shooting them in the head question is never raised or answered in this, in this movie. It's all more of a... Um, Defensive tactic than offensive tactic in with versus these zombies, which was refreshing. Yeah, I must say. <laughs> yeah, like, the whole just shoot 'em up attitude gets a little tiring. Totally, and I think that's that's one of the things that makes this one stand out versus other zombie films. That and like the you know the deep emotional moments you don't always get those in zombie films either. Oh, can we just can we just talk about how much I'm in love with the with the one guy, the baby daddy guy? He this was is, so awesome. It's very fucking yeah, awesome. He's great. <laughs> like he had some he had some funny moments, he had some real sincere moments. So good. Yeah. He, he kicked some ass. Hell yeah. Yeah. Was he? Did they? Did they say his occupation? Was he a security guard or something? I don't know if they. I did. can't remember. I oh. feel like I remember hearing that, but I might be making it up. <laughs> hmm. I don't remember. Well, he kicked ass regardless, so it's fine. Yeah. Cool. I think I remember him saying that he used to be a bodyguard or something or maybe yeah something like yeah, that yeah i do recall something like that in there okay for sure so i'm not i'm not insane okay well about oh, that anyway no. he was just like round and had massive pipes i mean just yeah on. <laughs> well, that's the thing we took that shirt off he's like holy shit he's got some guns <laughs> i love how they like they were so smart at like wrapping their forearms yep up and tape and stuff yeah yeah Good yeah, stuff. the only real weapons that you that you see used against the zombies are like baseball bats, really. Baseball bats, yeah. yeah. Like how convenient. <laughs> baseball teams <laughs> on the train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that first. Like that's a little convenient, but it's fine. I'll allow it because they needed some sort of weapons. <laughs> you, which would you? Which would yeah. you rather have, like, baseball team or the uh, NRA? Uh, <laughs> on the car, going to a gun show. Be hilarious. 
was like a tennis team or something. (laughs) 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 Something silly. So good. So good. Ah, what what else can be? What else you guys want to say about this one? Anything? Nope. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it is on Netflix. I kind of bummed. I thought like this one would take up the majority of the episode. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I got to talk a lot about it at the, at the year end. I, I remember. Oh, so okay. I'm trying to remember what I said. And I just don't want to repeat myself. <laughs> oh, who cares? Repeat yourself. That's fine. <laughs> I do. I do every episode. What That's are you talking true. about? <laughs> Did I tell you how much I like Neon Maniacs? Uh, oh yeah, I like love it. that movie. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Satan. <laughs> Satan They're himself, sad. John Stalter, has joined us. Hi, everybody. So you know what that means? It's time to talk uh, about Hitcher. Ten minutes. Yeah, it's time to talk about Hitcher. <laughs> uh, too bad we already talked about it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> So yeah. Put on pants for this? <laughs> no, you didn't. I didn't. You're right, I didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jason's been sending me the pictures. <laughs> uh, yep. So the hitcher. Let's talk about it. Who wants to tell me what the hell the hitcher is? Nah, I don't know. No, nah, I don't know. The movie's okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the hitcher is about. Uh, Jim, if I see Thomas Howe, he's driving a car, more or less cross country. I think he's going what from West Coast to Chicago or something. And uh, he's driving a friend's car or something. Yeah. Sees, sees a dude on the side of the road, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I'll pick him up. I'll be a nice guy." Well, like right off that, the the hitchhiker is a little Roger a little Howery. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's some. Uh, here's a word of advice. If you're driving along, see a, a guy that looks like you're uh, hitchhiking. Just either keep on going. Just, just actually running him over will probably won't do anything because he's evil and cardinal. But anyway, so they, you know, he gets this vibe from him and basically red or just, you know, I'm gonna kill you and. From then on, it just becomes this brutal game of uh, oh my choppy, brutal game of cat and mouse. Mhm. Oh yeah, and it's just like Wrecker. It just like Wrecker Howard's just fucking with him through this whole movie. Oh yeah. For whatever evil purposes, who knows? But just because he can, because he's yeah. evil. Yeah. That's all it takes with him. He just doesn't give a fuck. He just he just wants to finish the job. Absolutely. But, but I mean, oh my, some of the shit the, the poor kid goes through. Yeah, like, just and I nobody, nobody believes him. Like, they're just like, yeah, sure, yeah, somebody's after you. Yeah, whatever, fuck nutbag. <laughs> it took me forever to realize, well, well, not forever, because I saw his name in the credits, but I'm like, that can't be C. Thomas Howell. Like, he is way too fucking young and baby face in this movie. <laughs> I'd forgotten, because I mean, I'd seen him in a few other things when he was young, too, but I just, I have the image of this older, 
brawnier looking I don't know it just took me a second but he did a really good job in this he did he was awesome oh yeah he was so good well you gotta be I mean 75% of this movie is just him and Rutger Hauer more than that even I mean it's it's mostly him Rutger Hauer really isn't on screen that much if you think about it like he just kind of pops yeah. up <laughs> it's it will frames it's, it's for honestly, stuff and then leaves and it's a, like a really weird flasher yeah like he just totally leaves carnage in his way and like well there's there's one part where he, he gets him out of the vehicle a little bit later he sees Rutger in the the station wagon family tries to warn him and they, of course, the family's just like, this guy's a nut job, you know? Like, f- screw you, dude. We're going to call the cops on you. You're acting crazy. And you know Rutgers just going to kill the fucking family. Kid and all. Or kids. I can't remember how many kids there were. It was just one little girl, wasn't it? I think so. But he is just, he is just this unrelenting force that just doesn't give a fuck. I mean, there's the... At one point, C. Thomas Howell meets Jennifer J. who works at roadside diner mm-hmm. um trying to remember how they really truly get hooked up together but spoiler alert the scene where she is part of her body's like what her hands are tied to the end of a, a semi and then yeah she gets think, dr- yep. she gets drawn quartered yeah. between two semis yeah yeah trailer in a semi or yeah. yeah yeah and he does not hold back. I mean, there's people watching. The cops are there. Oh, yeah. oh, fucking brutal. And that was the moment, though, too, where like the cops finally realized that C. Thomas Howell wasn't just a, you know, a crazy kid, right? That was right, when the they cops. He was, yeah. Because yeah, they, they thought threw... he was the killer kind of thing. Yeah, over they half he was of this... the one doing everything. Yeah, exactly. Through over half of this movie. See Thomas Howell is literally alone. Like he goes to the cops, and the cops think he's the one that's that's doing all this. So he's even got the cops against him until that moment when um, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee gets drawn quartered. So, which it's was awesome. such a shock because like your one quote unquote female lead character of this movie, who you think okay they're gonna they're gonna kill Rucker Hauer off and they're gonna drive off in the sunset together. Nope. She gets ripped in half. You said before that this is like a slasher and you keep referring to John Ryder, the Rucker Hauer character is a force of nature. One of my favorite things about this movie it's so tightly directed, it's so smartly written. There are not even hints barely implications but you get the idea that he may not be human, and I don't think he is. Yeah, oh, he just, I've, he, I've I heard those theories th- before. Th- yeah. Think he is. He takes out an a, entire nation. Right, and he appears places that there's no way he could possibly have done. How how could he have gotten that finger into his fries at the diner? Yeah. Uh, how could he have gotten from one place to another? So, you know, uh, so far ahead of Jim Halsey to to set up the next trap for him so to speak. He, he's pure evil and it's, oh, it just makes it so great. And Rutger Hauer just has so much fun with it. And the, like just those cold, icy eyes that he has. Like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else could have done, you know, anyone else in this role would have 
maybe hammed it up would have you know played the evil part a little too much but he just plays it so chill and that's what makes it such a scary movie yeah. and him such a scary character is Fuck yeah. he just doesn't give a shit he's like a cat playing with a mouse you know which I understand that's like you know the oldest cliches in the book but I mean oh, it's, but it, it's appropriate but it fits so well I yeah. mean it really is just a cat playing with a mouse in the truest sense of the word or you know phrase yeah, I can remember. The, I can still remember the first time I ever saw this when I rented it back in the uh, back in the late '80s. Um, first time seeing it, and just I had just not had such a and sitting on the edge of my seat experience ever. Than that, like first, what is it, like fifteen, twenty minutes of the movie where it's just those two in the car. And I'm like, holy shit! If this whole movie is these two in a car, and I'm, I'm and I'm feeling this way already, then like this movie's genius. Now they do just, get out of the car, yeah. but but it's it doesn't stop from there though. That's that's what's so great about it. The tension just keeps going up. But that those, yep. yeah, those first minutes, you know, the vehicle. What are basically Rutgers is just like, oh, I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. Or they pass the the one vehicle, and he's he was gonna stop. But, you know, I can probably remember what actually was said, but doesn't he say something about like somebody's legs breaking somebody's legs or whatever, cutting uh, he, off their legs? He says he cut off the arms, legs, and head of the guy in the car that they passed. That's right. Yeah. Fucking brutal. <laughs> why isn't why isn't this on Blu-ray? God damn it! Come on, Scream Factory. Yeah, somebody, and I think that's the biggest crime, is that this this is a really good, really good horror movie, coming out of the '80s when like the height of height of horror, but like a lot of your, a lot of your horror was like the franchise stuff, and this movie just was like it was completely overlooked, like it was because it was a TV movie. It was made for HBO. Oh, was it made originally for HBO? I mean, I know it was released on HBO Video, but I didn't realize. So yeah. it, it never had a theatrical run, or not that I'm aware of. Okay, okay. Well, I was just looking. I mean, it, it, could it be, made I it could sound like that, I think you're wrong because if you look at it, it opened up uh, on like 794 screens oh, back okay. in uh, February 23rd of uh, 86. I do. But see- so I mean, either way, HBO funded it. I mean. I, I do think, see some yeah. box office grosses here on IMDb, so... but well, fuck you, then. I'm fired. <laughs> yeah! Um, i saying that since day one. But domestic, domestic gross on this movie didn't even make back its budget. No. And it only had, like, a $6 million budget. Fuck me. That's a damn shame. I think crap like Transformers gets made all the time. Hey. <laughs> no, he's he's those Michael Bay movies are awful. Don't he's got a point. No, I'm no, just talking I, about the cartoon. Okay, no. fuck you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rutger Hauer is so fucking good in this. So good. And again Just this most subtle performance, it's like you can't take your eyes off of him. He is so fun to watch. Best thing he's ever done. Yeah. Do you think like this is probably one of the uh, one of the best like evil characters in a movie probably ever? Oh yeah, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet again, I say this movie was is, was so overlooked, 
and still feels like it's overlooked. Cause right, no Blu-ray. Does it even doesn't even have a DVD. Here's the thing, like yeah, I have. It does have a DVD because I bought it in a two-pack with Night Flyer. That's how the first time I saw it because I wanted to see Night Flyer. It's like, oh, it comes with this other movie, I guess, whatever. And then I watched The Hitcher. Like, wow, this is way fucking better than Night Flyer. (laughs) (laughs) Then you watch uh, Hitcher 2 and you're like, why? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't watch The Hitcher 2 with Jake Busey, nor did I watch the remake with Sean Bean because fuck that. You don't mess with perfection. Yeah. I, I have I, the sequel, and I've never watched it. Okay, I was going to ask if anybody has. And didn't they do this? Say, what? Oh, I was just going to say, I've heard good things about it, though. The sequel? Really? Yeah, or no, the the remake. Oh, oh yeah. I, I've heard mixed. I mean, I like Sean. He just can't away. He's as good as Ruck. And I like Sean Bean. I mean, I think Sean's a fantastic actor. Who dies in everything. <laughs> I haven't seen it myself. I've just I've heard that it's really it's not too bad. I think it's funny they did the uh, they did the sequel in 2003 and then the remake was like 2007. But I don't remember seeing Hitcher I thought Two. The Hitcher Two was in, I thought the Hitcher Two was in '94 and got released on DVD. Holy. Oh, I I didn't think it got released on DVD until like the remake was coming out. So, well, maybe Hitcher. Yeah, I guess Hitcher Two does say two thousand three. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason I own it. I don't know why. I guess I don't know. But you're completist. See, Thomas is well, back. Well, the fact, fact that I put it with uh, you know because Jake Busey's in it is amazing. <laughs> Fucking hate that mouth breather. And that's exactly my point, talking about somebody else playing that part. And I haven't yeah. seen it, but even if it was somebody good, they wouldn't be able to handle it. Someone like Jake Busey, there's no way he doesn't just ham the shit out of it. <laughs> I fear that it's going to be on the level of like his performance in Frighteners. Which, I love that movie. Oh, I do too. And that performance that, works for that movie. Yeah. But ugh, No Jake one saw Busey. the remake? He, he looks like a... Uh, anyway... Produced by Michael Bay. Tie it back in. <laughs> oh, fuck. Let's, let's rush out and I'll buy a copy. Signed even by Michael Bay. Yeah, I never, I didn't see the remake. I think just because, like, I feel, you know, well, it came out during the heyday of hating on um, remakes, first of all. Yeah. So that that's probably more than anything else. But, again, just... I don't feel, I didn't feel like at the time that they could top what they did with the original, just based on performances anyway, so. It would be like trying to remake Jaws. Just why? Yeah. Oh, give it time. But but even still, like, why in general? Like, you think of, I guess maybe the only thing I could think of from a studio aspect is maybe the uh, the licensing rights were cheap to purchase. But in the reality of making a remake of it, you're making a remake of a movie that not a lot of people really are that familiar with. Well, and sometimes that can work. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to remake a a well-known movie. I mean, sometimes remaking something smaller could help out. I mean, okay, granted, a lot of the people in the community know Maniac. Yeah. 
But still, a lot of people I know that love horror movies didn't know about that movie. Hills and Have Eyes wasn't a big... Got an awesome yeah. remake out of it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is... But, I mean, I think The Hitcher is obviously a little bit more obscure when it comes down to it. But, I mean, it's still still possible to get a good remake, but just... Not The Hitcher. But, you know what? None of us have seen it, so we should probably stop bragging on it before uh, we watch it. True, <laughs> with her point. Oh, listen then, to Miss Reason. The... Next time, Terry's going to you know what, guys? We should have kept on it because that movie sucked. <laughs> so, every oh, time I think no of The Hitcher, and I don't know if it has to do with, like, I remember it being released on HBO Video, um, but I always associate The Hitcher, or whenever I think of The Hitcher, I always think of another movie, and that's Near Dark. Not that the two movies are related in content whatsoever. Yeah, they are. They were, well, they're not in content, but they were yeah. written by the same guy. Oh, were they really? Okay. Yeah. Well, they also came out kind of back-to-back. Like, Hitcher was in 86, Near Dark was in 87. Both of them were completely just swept under the rug, and I think both of them were released on HBO Home Video. So I think that's that's my why I connect the two, anyway. So Maybe that's why Eric Red is such a bitter dude now. <laughs> he <laughs> just keeps writing these amazing movies that completely get shit on because something else comes out and overshadows them and no one notices. He apparently did a uh, a pass of the script for Alien 3. And oh, yeah. I would love to have seen that. But Yeah. Probably better than what was actually done. Hey. I, I love Alien 3. I need to watch it again. I watched it once in my theater and I didn't like it. It's my second favorite of the bunch. Really? Mm-hmm. My favorite's Prometheus. Oh, that's because you're dumb. I'm kidding. <laughs> so looking up, uh, looking up. We all know it's resurrection. Eric read right now and seeing what else he's written. So yeah, Hitcher, Near Dark. He did a werewolf movie too, and I'm drawing a blank on the title. He he wrote. Bad, oh wait, Bad Moon. Yeah, Bad oh. Moon. Yeah, you're right, Bad Moon. I was gonna say released. he wrote Hitcher too, but it but it. It has characters in parentheses, so he probably just gets he just, yeah, he was credit just for the characters, yeah. And but it does say screenplay for the remake, though. He's credited as the, for the screenplay for the remake, so maybe. But then also in 1991, he wrote Body Parts, oh. yeah, with Jeff Fahey. Another awesome yet underrated horror film. I like Body Parts a lot, yeah. That movie's batshit crazy. It makes no sense, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he he, uh, he directed it. Oh, you're right. He did. Look at that. Hmm. Never to be seen again. Can't can't go wrong with Faye's eyebrows. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You get lost in those eyebrows. Yeah, the last thing he did was the last thing he wrote anyway uh, was something called A Hundred Feet in 2008. So, yeah. Maybe he has finally said, screw you, Hollywood. That's too bad. Yeah, no, I'm sure that's he not gets true. The pick. He yeah. did a TV, no, he directed a TV movie in 2015. So good for him. Good for him. <clears throat> oh, what else about Hitcher? Dustin, did you see it? Yeah, I um, actually saw this when I was a very young kid, and it kind of 
scarred me that whole uh, Jennifer Jason Lee scene there because in my head and everything that I'd seen before it, the girl doesn't die in yeah. horror movies. She lives. And like you said earlier, they set it up to a point where the cops are there, the good guy's there, and the bad guy's surrounded. Like, there's no way that this is going to happen. You just, yeah. you, just, you just know in your head that she's going to get up, get away. And then when he lets off the clutch and it drive, oh, oh. and he drives away, you're like, you're just in shock. You just don't like, you can't believe it because for one, she's no longer in the movie, and it's like, well, what what could possibly happen now? And then you know, you go on to find out that he gets out, and then you know, it's just that fear that he's out there still hunting him and. And yeah, I, I, I've I've always liked it. Um, I didn't even know there was a sequel. I knew there was a remake, but holy cow, Jake Busey's in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think they paid probably two dollars for it. Probably two dollars too much. Oh my gosh! I don't know how they get its teeth on screen, <laughs> dude. I've seen him in person. It's it's difficult. <laughs> You're right about being in shock after that scene because I know I've seen the movie several times and I honestly cannot remember what happens after that scene. Like, I think I'm just in such shock that I'm just numb <laughs> for the next, like, three or four minutes. It's true. It's Very one. cool. Very it's cool. Solid. Anybody remember a TV show? I think it was a TV show that was made The for, Hitchhiker? Yeah. It was an HBO show. That's yeah. That's what I thought. It was an HBO. I already looked that up. It was uh, syndicated on USA. I used to watch that all the time. Yep, yep. And when I I remember when that show first came out, and I didn't have HBO, but I heard about the show, and I thought they did a TV show based on this movie. I thought that's what it was about. Not not realized that it's called The Hitcher and not The Hitchhiker. So. We're just going to go on a lovely uh, tour of America, Rutger Hauer, as he people <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah i, I was gonna say, watch that show. are, are you saying you wouldn't watch that <laughs> it's literally gonna be rutger howard though like hey hey guys we're in uh tennessee this week just killed five people in the last 10 minutes because i'm rutger howard and i'm scary as fuck doesn't matter how old he is either rutger howard now i wouldn't fuck with him nope we'll see and there was actually like back in the 50s like one of the earliest um horror crime thriller movies directed by a woman was oh, called The right. Hitchhiker. Yeah, I remember finding that the title anyway when we did our our women director episode and I almost mm-hmm. put it on the list but I couldn't find the actual movie anywhere. And I yeah. so I still I still want to check it out. Yeah, I don't I mean and it sounds like, you know, the all of these modern variations could have taken some inspiration from that for sure i think it's some it's, a, it's something like they someone people pick up a like an ex like an escape convict or something like that mm. sounds similar ish yeah so I'd be interested in watching that to see totes totes so yeah, anybody out there listening, if you have not heard of The Hitcher, definitely check it out. This movie needs a lot more recognition. And it needs a goddamn Blu-ray. Yes. 
Do it. Yes. What else we yeah. got? What other movies? I watched Snowpiercer. Cool. Good. That was good. It is good. What I found interesting... Well, uh, um, you want to set it up? I'll let somebody do that. God damn it. You know no, no it's, it's all about... It's all about Jason. So Come it, on, buddy. Um, so basically, like, in the future, people are freaking out about, you know, global warming and whatnot, so the scientist creates this thing where it shoots up in space and will cool the Earth back down, but it fucks up and just ends up putting the Earth into another ice age, and the survivors of humanity just live on this giant train that just drives around the world all the time. Right? Yep. Okay. Takes one year to travel all the way around the world. Yeah. But they just live on this train. They don't ever leave the train. They have a whole world just in this train. There's like a there's like a um, social system Yeah. To the front to back and Yep. There's like a train there's a train car that's the school for the kids. There's one that uh um has like it looks like a one of those big aquariums that has like the glass dome over top and you can see the like at a zoo or something where you could see the um, fish and stuff swimming over top of you there's another one that's like a big garden car where they do all the gardening you know there's a, there's a car that's the water car it's got all the water yeah what I liked about this movie like and I had heard obviously I've been wanting to see it for a long time. It, it got a lot of good buzz, um, and you know it's it's it it starts off pretty dark and grim because we start off in the in the the car where the bottom of society, the bottom peg of society, is is just shoved in force fed blocks of ground up bugs, um, but. It definitely, you know, it's it's an Asian director, and you can definitely see those like hyperactive, you know, um, martial arts style Asian directing going on in it, and that's what I really liked about it. It was, it was I'm not saying it wasn't a serious piece. It was, a, it was still, you know, it was a pretty but serious. The action film. actually was less serious because it was yeah kind of over the top sort of in a yeah. But well, it and it's based out. on a graphic novel. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, but, that's, uh, but that was what novel. was cool because when it came time for fighting, it's like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. That the scene with the guys with the axes and shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh god, that's so badass. To go out. But it just it just had this over the top visual Asian s- cinema style to it that made me forget how much I love Asian cinema. You know, I feel like I, I go through spurts of like I get burnt out on Asian cinema. So I don't, I don't always come back to it, and in this movie, it just reminds me of what 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 makes uh, some of those movies so great and over the top. And it had just some of those, like, and even some of the character portrayals are just over over the top comic book style characters, and not as a, such a dark and serious and set in reality piece that I was mistaking it to be. Anyone else seen it? Yeah, and 
probably my favorite thing about it is that it just takes piss all over Ayn Rand and the Fountainhead, and particularly Atlas Shrugged. I, I misspoke. Atlas Shrugged, not the Fountainhead. Is anyone familiar with that book oh, or the three god awful movies that got made out of it? Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> okay. I only saw the Tom Hanksy one. I thought there were three <sighs> movies. What? He didn't make an Atlas. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Oh, of that. Atlas. Cl- oh, Cloud Atlas is what I was thinking. Of. Oh no, it's it's way too involved to explain the whole thing, and it wouldn't be interesting anyway. But the basic idea is that this libertarian wank fantasy about this guy named John Galt who invents a perpetual motion engine, and it's supposed to revolutionize the world because it's going to make the trains run forever and blah blah blah. Anyway, the whole movie. It's <laughs> This will make sense if you're familiar with Ayn Rand, <laughs> but the whole movie is just shitting on her awful political ideas. It's mm-hmm. it's a satire of like the worst political ideology novel ever written, and it's a terribly written book too. It's not just that I disagree with the politics; it's also written like shit. But yeah, the whole <laughs> I guess just take my word for it. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I liked about the movie though is that it was smart I thought it was I liked the writing and I liked where there were just layers and layers of story to unfold as like, they got closer to the front of the train And Tilda Swinton's character at the beginning when she st- sticks that guy's hand out the window yeah like oh, she, she looks like Ayn Rand that's yeah. like her, her dress, her haircut, the whole, like, she's made up to look just like her. So, I mean, that's... Okay. <laughs> that character just... Well, and I was watching that with somebody, and they didn't even realize that was Tilda. Yeah, Which she also was great. Which how amazing she is. You know, she's, like, one of the best actors ever. I mean, she's just phenomenal. She blends into a character, but... Oh, that... Yeah, that there's a lot of nutty uh, characters in this movie. A lot of nutty characters. I also like the blend of um, of different different people from different countries. You know, you, you have like representatives of like you know of Asia, uh, European countries, and and so on. And you know, and it's a French comic book. Directed by an Asian director starring Captain America. So, you know, even behind the scenes, it's kind of like a full, you know, bringing the world together kind of thing. <laughs> so it has like a like a superhero team feel to it. It totally has those superhero moments. And what's great is like none of those, none of them are, are, are Chris Evans moments. No. It's all these other other characters that like are doing like superhero jumps and kicks and karate chops and shit. That's good. Good stuff. It was. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> now, is it a horror movie? Oh, yeah. It's sci-fi. It's But it's good, so who cares? It's But there's gore. Yeah, I mean, there's it, a lot of it, mo- it's that gray area that I hate. I hate so much. I hate you're a labeler. I no, I hate I'm really have grown to hate labels because 
horror being my favorite genre, and there's so much goddamn gray areas with people anymore. I'm just so fucking sick of it. Like what's, I, that, what's that uh, genre that Mike really hates? Stop it. Don't even say it. I'll save you some heartache. Just call this one political satire and have done with it. <laughs> then it, it operates both as sci-fi and horrors. Especially fucking horrifying if you familiar with Anne Rand and Ayn Rand and her shitty politics. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I think it it fits in the realm of like the purge movies would fit in the horror genre. So is it is it really by definition probably not, but is it a movie that would definitely appeal to horror fans? I think very much so. You know, I just, yeah, I'm just getting sick of the fucking genre labeling altogether. If I, I read an article once that, like, was dead set against the thing being a horror film, that it's a sci-fi film. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> it's one of the most tense, scary movies ever made. What would you call a thriller? You. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> and just like that, I'm no longer show <laughs> uh, another one I watched for this episode that I hadn't seen in forever was Joyride yeah I watched it for the first time oh for the first time mm-hmm what'd you think of it I thought it was a lot of fun like yeah. I went into it kind of thinking oh, this is gonna be just lame like early 2000s blah but I actually really liked it I liked the idea behind it, and um, uh, what's his name? Steve Zahn. Love Steve Zahn. He was awesome in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like a little funny, like he normally is, but he it was a more serious role in general. So yeah, he, had, he did yeah, good. He still had his moments. And, yeah, for yeah. sure. I just like the whole premise of it. You know, oh, old yeah. CB talk and fucking with a nasty trucker who's out on the road by himself forever that's smart of them but (laughs) it's just yeah it was it was good i really liked it and going back to duel this is definitely one i feel like has got some major influence was majorly influenced by duel again you you don't really see a lot of the truck driver very very little it's mostly the truck that uh is the imposing imposing character in the film so, like when that truck gets that car pinned up to the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very well written. Did you see who uh, who one of the writers was on it? Nope. J.J. J. Abrams. Oh, no, yeah, I did see that. I've yeah. heard of him. He's done some things. Yeah, a couple things. Yeah, it's it awesome. could be easily dismissed as your, um, you know, pretty, pretty Paul boy. Walker, yeah. Well, 90s yeah, because Paul Walker's film. in it, and yeah. you know, anyone whose main credit is the Fast and Furious movies, I don't know if I can trust them. Well, and what's her face? Lily Sobieski. Yeah, who was kind of a. Well, those pre- was, pretty teens of the '90s. Yeah, she did more. Yeah, pretty movies than anything yeah. for sure you know and that also played an underage prostitute and eyes wide shut so there you go <laughs> oh i forgot about that yeah did you where did you, where did you see this terry on 
a digital file of it. Okay. Apparently, there's an alternate ending. I was gonna say, yeah, on the DVD, it's got I think like there's like two or three alternate endings. One of which, which is a bummer because it would have been a bold move, but that moment when she's tied up in the chair and gagged, and the shotgun mm-hmm. is attached to the door. Mm-hmm. There's a take where she doesn't she doesn't make it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, she gets blown the fuck away. I was secretly kind of hoping for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, when I rewatched this, I couldn't remember what was the actual, you know, theatrical version of it. So I'm on the edge of my seat again, forgetting that I, I can't remember if she makes it or if she doesn't. <clears throat> so that's the double-edged sword of putting all the alternate endings on the disc. Yeah. Cause yeah. Then, can't remember. You never remember which one it is when you go back. <laughs> totally. Totally. I almost wish though, like my one thing is that, like you you see the guy. Like I almost wish I never would have seen him. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. Oh yeah, me too. Because well, I you're gonna go that long without showing him. I yeah. Do- who does the voice of the trucker in this? Buffalo Bill. I was gonna say it totally sounded like, like him, right? Yeah, yeah. It totally sounded like him. So when he, when you see the guy when he's like smashing through the window or whatever, I was like, wait a minute, that's not Buffalo Bill. <laughs> that's just some, <laughs> yeah, that's just some fat bald guy. I was thinking the whole time too. I'm like, it, it's very, it imitates his voice so well. I don't know why they just wouldn't have him play the part. That's just weird. Yeah. Well, I, the ending that I remember is that after they think he's dead, doesn't he come back over the line and the oh, yeah. candy cane? Yeah, he comes <laughs> over the ambulance CB, which, like, why oh, Paul hey. Walker is allowed to have access to the ambulance CD, but... What? Oh, so it really, it really is him as the voice? It is. Yeah. I, told, I wasn't lying. I thought that... Oh, I... <laughs> I thought you were just saying it sounded like him or something. I didn't realize well, that. Well, I just don't remember that actor's name. Ted Levine. Ted Levine, thank you. Good lord. Yeah, that's weird that he was the voice and not... Maybe he wasn't brooding and scary enough But for yeah, to be the physical guy. Like, because, Dustin, what we're talking about, though, is there's the scene where... Um, where Steve Zahn is peering through the window and sees What's-Her-Face tied up to the chair, and he punches through the window and, like, attacks him. And you could see the guy. And he's, like, a heavy-set bald guy. I mean, he's yeah. still really shadowed and everything, but it's definitely not Ted Levine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you see him. And, he, you know, he might not be brooding or uh, intimidating, but I think after Silence of the Lambs, that... They could have put him in there, but they, we could yeah. have seen him. I mean, he's. But I don't know. Maybe he wanted more money to be shown. Who, who knows how that works? Yeah. yeah, who knows? But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I think he could have easily played it, played the part. Because yeah, Sounds and Lambs really kind of made and break his, broke his career. Because <laughs> you can't you can't yeah. uh, look at him without without thinking Buffalo Bill, like. Even when he was in D. Snyder's Strange Land, and he was the hero of the movie, I found I still found him scarier than D. Snyder. He's scary in the Hills Have Eyes remake, even though he's yeah. a, still a good guy. 
That's right. Just his, yeah. Just his voice and the way he carries himself. It's just. Yeah. It would have made the film better because I didn't necessarily enjoy it that much. Oh, what? it's really it's really forgettable. I, I honestly haven't seen it in a long time, and I just don't remember anything other than the end, and just being like, "Well, that was just a fucking waste of time." <laughs> and don't just they have like a bunch of shitty like sequels to it too? There's two sequels, yeah, um, which I hadn't seen any of those. I don't know anyone else anyone else has. Would assume not. No. What what else did you not like about it, Dustin? I honestly can't remember. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Brian should talk about the car. I should, huh? Fuck yeah, you should. <laughs> Do you okay. like the car? I love the car. Oh man, we've been pretty <laughs> divided on this episode. You, you don't, you don't You're like such the a car, hater, Dustin. No, I've no. The only thing I haven't liked out of all these is the car and <sighs> Killdozer. And <laughs> <laughs> those, well, those are their fa- Brian's faves. I know. It's, I feel bad. <laughs> no, the, the Hitcher is my favorite. Well, on Trash oh. and Busan, probably, but. Killdozer, I understand. I mean, I like it because I love that kind of thing. But I think that's mostly just Mike's in my domain. <laughs> yeah. But the car, I think, is legitimately good. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have a huge budget because they spent most of it on the car. But I'll get to that in a minute. But it's a oddly faithful Jaws ripoff, even though it's, <laughs> it's it is. Think of it. it's even though it's set in the desert. Like down to even some of the scenes are the same. Like uh, okay, Ellen Brody doesn't die in Jaws, but like the marching band sequence. That's the uh, the Chief Brody after he knows there's a shark, but Mayor Vaughn makes him keep the beaches open, and he's just watching, and then Alex Kintner gets eaten. It's the same thing. The cops know there's some maniac uh, driver out there, although they don't know it's Satan yet. And they've got guys uh, in watchtowers but they're still going on with their little town celebration, you know, and the marching band is out practicing, and then you hear that weird pitch-shifted roar of the engine. And sure enough, the car shows up. And that's when also we find out that there's something not entirely human or even natural about it. But uh, I don't think there's much point in describing the plot, because if you've seen Jaws, just replace the shark with a car. (laughs) (laughs) But it's uh, James Brolin, who looks a whole lot like Josh, because he's real young in this. And his amazing 70s mustache is this small-town sheriff, and a couple of kids get run over outside of town, and then a wandering musician gets run over, and everyone blames it on the town uh, curmudgeonly domestic abuse guy. And so for a while, it's just them hauling this cranky old guy in and out of the, the cop shop until the marching band thing happens, and then they realize, oh, no, this is something very much more sinister and uh, so they have to figure out how to rid their town of this menace of the car did, did anyone else watch it just me and Dustin I, I really wanted to and I have a feeling if I did I'd be gushing about it like you but I didn't get to it this is another one this and Duel were staples of Joe Bob Briggs Monster Vision so I've seen this oh. movie a bunch of times nice. 
Um, but the you know the real star of the movie is the car itself. It's awesome. But Dustin, did you at least think the car itself was cool? <laughs> the car, the, the car is the best thing about it, and yeah. uh, the the French horn player. But yeah, I agree. The <laughs> car is was. It's excellent. I don't even know what it is, if it was custom made or if you yes, know. Yes, it was. And, I, yeah, I was going to get into that in a little bit here. But, yeah, I love that French horn guy, too. When, oh when, when cranky old guy's yelling at him, I'm going to shove that thing so far up your ass, you'll be farting music for a year. And his response is, wow, imagine that. Yeah. Farting music. <laughs> for an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the car was a 1971 uh, Lincoln Town Car Mark III, and or, uh, no, Lincoln Continental, excuse me, and, and it was customized by George Barris, the same guy who built the 1966 Batmobile. Oh, nice. cool! And it cost eighty four thousand dollars to build, <laughs> so that's where most of the budget went. <laughs> so you, but you get they built four of them. They built like a a hero car for all the cool close up shots, and then a bunch of stunt ones. So it for the shot like when it takes out the sheriff mustache's wife because there's that great i love that scene where she's on the phone and there's a window in the background and you see headlights come on way <laughs> yeah. in the distance and they keep getting closer and suddenly she hears the engine and looks over and it's too fucking late the car just plows right through her house <laughs> yeah oh, somebody awesome. put that house in the middle of the road i don't know what happened my favorite part of that scene is the fact that there's just a painted portrait of james brolin <laughs> in yeah. the room like it's just a portrait of him <laughs> like, and, 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 it, later, and it lives it lives <laughs> because when he and the other cops are in in the wreckage of the house later mourning his dead wife there's a shot where he and the painting are in the same the frame together and they have the same expression yeah it's awesome or uh, when it takes out those uh, two cop cars when it's they're coming at it blocking both lanes and it's just gunning for him, and it cranks around and rolls over both of them. I love that stunt. That's so cool. But uh, yeah, anyway, though, so there there were four versions of the car built. the The main one, some stunt ones. A couple of them were destroyed during the making of the movie, and one of them is actually owned by Guillermo del Toro now. Oh wow! <laughs> Man, how cool would that have been to have that at that exhibit? Yeah, no kidding. I I want one of those. Obviously, I'm not going to get one from the actual movie, but yeah, someday when I'm crazy lottery millionaire man, I'm going to have somebody build me a replica of that thing. The frame itself on that car weighed almost 6,000 pounds, and it was 20 feet long, so that thing was a tank. Yeah, you could tell it was a beast the way that it was driving. And I mean, those old Lincolns were big anyway, but... yeah. Nice. That's like th- over three of me lengthwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I I need I need to watch it. Oh, and apparently the um, the ho- the horn sound that it makes because it has a weird engine roar, but then it makes a weird sound with it when it, the horn blows as well. Uh, was the letter X in Morse code to add a little bit of mystery to the proceedings. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounded like a almost like a trumpet 
uh, in a way. The horn. It absorbed the soul of that guy's French horn when it ran over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bizarre mat effect thing at the end when they kind of trick it into going over the cliff that they've rigged that gully full of dynamite and that succeeds in blowing it up for a while uh, you see of course over the end credits the cars it's a weird POV shot like they've mounted the camera on the front bumper pointing right at the wheel so all you get is the wheel driving and then like you know maybe a quarter of the screen you can see background and there are tall skyscrapers and things so it's like setting up a sequel that never happened or the cars in a city but oh yeah 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 there was kind of a sequel. They made a The Car arcade game. What? Where it's actually, I don't know if the game was specifically based around the car, but the design of the car was used as a, like, you are an evil car that crushes things in the city. They changed the color scheme to make it look like a taxi cab, but it very distinctively was the car because there's nothing else on the road that looks like this thing because it was built specifically for the movie. So, yeah, it did get to live again and kill in the city, just not in a sequel on the screen. That's awesome. So uh, an upright arcade machine? I think so. Nice. I believe so, yeah. That's awesome. Dustin will find a version of it he can send you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and and (laughs) considering how... Considering how fucking old it would be, it would probably be a video game I could actually figure out how to play. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> hey, real quick, um, going back to Joyride, I did I did solve the mystery on why Ted Levine wasn't the physical character of Rusty Nail. It says that on IMDb, it says that he wasn't brought on until post production. Oh. Yeah. So there you go. Closure. <sighs> Maybe the other guy had a stupid voice. Probably. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, obviously not as, obviously not as good as Ted Levine. So they were like, probably like, we need something way creepier. Hey, you seen Silence of the Lambs? Oh yeah, that dude. Also, fun fact: Ted Levine. Um, was in the uh, first Fast and Furious with Paul Walker. Hmm. So there you go. That's probably around the same time. Maybe that's how that happened. Maybe. Okay, but we're way past uh, Joyride, so. <laughs> so the car. I'll check it out. We'll do it. Any others? Jason, did you watch any others for this episode? Uh, Snoop, no. The only other ones I <laughs> had seen was Death Proof. I didn't get to re- yeah, rewatch it. I didn't it. get to rewatch it either. But I thought you had watched, you'd suffered through Snakes on a Plane. Nope, I never found it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I got out of it again. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> you didn't run out and see that in the theater? What's wrong with you? No, sir, I did not. <laughs> Guess who did? <laughs> I even got the theater to give me the cardboard standee oh. display that they had out in the lobby for that. It, it, uh, the roof leaked and it got rained on. It got ruined, but uh, I had it for a while. So you you took that standee home before or after seeing the movie? After 
I like that movie. So you like the movie? Okay. All right. I have I haven't seen it in a long time. I couldn't uh, expound upon its virtues at the moment, but I do enjoy it. I wanted to see it in the theater. For some reason, I missed it because I got sucked into the hype, man. Like, yeah, it it does not deliver all that it promises, but it is an enjoyably stupid B movie. Well, now hold on. Are there snakes on the plane? Mm, okay, yeah, you're, I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they they campaigned the hell out of that movie. Like I got a phone call from Samuel Jackson telling me I need to see Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That was cool. the thing I appreciated most was... about it. It was he signed on because he loves that kind of stuff. Like we were talking yeah. about yeah. Uh, a couple episodes ago, and he was. Uh, announcing about the Blob remake that he's going to be in, that he just likes monster movies and doing Kong Skull Island and that. Mm-hmm. And, like, partway through production, the studio wanted to change the name to, like, Flight 417 or, what you know, whatever the name of the flight was. And he's like, uh, fuck you. I came onto this movie because it was called Snakes on a Plane, and if you change the title, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> like, man. Oh, like, shit, I guess we better keep the name. This, I, I just was so impressed with the fact that this is a... A Hollywood B movie at its, you know, at its best. Like this is a grindhouse movie that's getting played in theaters today, with a title called "Snakes on a Plane." You know, you don't see that shit. You know, so that's why I wanted to see it. Like I knew it wasn't gonna be like some masterpiece or anything, and I didn't want it to be. I guess that would be my one complaint: is it it should have been sleazier, as you say. It is an a B movie, an exploitation movie, you know, could have been a grindhouse movie back in the day. And I wish it had been not PG 13. Yeah. Yeah. Snakes on this motherfucking plane. Get this motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, any other films anybody wants to talk about? Uh, I got some mentions that I think our viewers would like to know. Um, a, a movie that I watched. Uh, all the time as a kid, Wheels of Terror. It was always on USA. Oh yeah, tell us um, about it. You mentioned it earlier, and I know it's not it, on the list, it, but I don't care. Let's hear about it. it it's basically the, the same thing as... It's, it's kind of like Duel and the car mixed together. Uh, it could very well be the devil inside the car. Um, but it, it's like kidnapping little girls and killing them. And pretty much the entire movie is uh, a woman bus driver chasing down this Dodge Charger with the front end pressed down to make it look like it's got mean eyes. It's really cool looking. Uh, If you just look it up on YouTube, the entire movie is on there, which is excellent. Um, But basically, it's just, it's like Duel, but the bus driver's daughter is in the car. Like, whoever is in the car has the bus driver's daughter, and it's just a, a just crazy, you know, standoff between the two two vehicles, and it's just if you like ch- car chases that last a really long time, then you're gonna love this. This was uh, a made-for-TV movie, and I think it would I think it premiered on USA, and it's I feel like it's really well directed. the it, The whole script. Uh, isn't that great? But it's <laughs> it's still a fun watch. I think you should definitely check out check it out. It's something that I've that I've watched many times uh, throughout my life. Um, 
Another one that our viewers have to see is um, Rolling Vengeance. And oh, I don't if know you've never seen it. Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. love that movie so much. <laughs> this is uh, basically about uh, a guy. Uh, this is He gets in a car wreck, and I think they kill his girlfriend. It's uh, walking tall. Yeah, <laughs> but with a fucking monster truck that he like builds into like a monster truck tank. That's just, just basically rolling vengeance. He's rolling over <laughs> the people that uh, and shoots fire and it has a giant drill. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I forgot about the drill. Uh, yes, uh, this movie. Uh, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's awesome. It's 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 one of those so bad, so good, so much fun movies. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember uh, we used to rent it all the time when we had actual video stores. And uh, we just love the hell out of it. Um, another one that we we we've, we've talked about a little bit, Monster Man, is another yeah, excellent yeah, yeah. Uh, road movie. Um, of course, all the Mad Maxes—they're not horror, but they're—they're. Uh, they're, I don't know. Every one of those is great, great road movies. And my favorite road movie of all time, not horror, is Motorama. And if you can get your hands on that, then uh, you should watch that as well. <laughs> I went to the IMDb page for that Rolling Vengeance, and it's got the worst fucking picture. <laughs> Look, seriously, it's, a, it's it just says Monster Truck, and it's got a picture of a Monster Truck, very badly photoshopped. <laughs> I gotta look this up. It's bad. Like, I would not want to see this. I don't even think this... No, I'm look, and I just clicked on it to to look at the whole thing. It's not even oh, wow. a picture for this movie. It, it, there's no way this can be. This uh, looks no. like this looks like some video box cover for you know some low grade monster truck spectacular extravaganza <laughs> event. That's a mistake. Like that's somebody that's just yeah somebody just put that in there. <laughs> wow. Okay. I if that's on YouTube. I didn't look it up, but it's a must watch. It sounds like it. Brian, do you have anything you want to add to Rolling Vengeance? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that that's... I think we said it all. Like, it, It's walking tall, except instead of a 2x4, it's an armor-plated flamethrowing monster truck with a drill bit on the end, and he runs over Ned Beatty. It fucking rules. <laughs> Everyone yeah. needs to see Rolling Vengeance. Yeah. I would also add there is another movie in the monster truck exploitation field made by Bill Rabane called Twister's Revenge. And uh, in that, it's the monster truck is basically Kit from Knight Rider, and it fights a tank. Nice. <laughs> and they have an actual tank firing actual tank rounds driving through the middle of this little town. Like, I don't know if it was an abandoned town or if it was a town they somehow found enough volunteer contractors to build them for some housing facades but like buildings get blown up um yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> awesome all right anybody have any others that they want to add okay that's cool well if that's the case then uh let's take a break and when we come back we'll do some segments here on attack of the killer podcast good evening it's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. 
so add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and we hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans, this is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes twice a month that include movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us, along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network, at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> and we're back here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. It's segments time, and we are going to start like we always do with everyone's favorite the shout outs. It's time for shout outs! Alright, so we asked what's your favorite horror movie is based around transportation. And on Facebook, we got a bunch. Up first, Brandy Ruland says, does Jaws count? 
Hubby says Event Horizon. Also, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a spaceship, I suppose. It's yeah. Traveling. Yeah. Also, whatever the movie was, three people got stuck on the ski lift. We said Frozen. She said, I thought that was it. And Tim's like the other one because he's being a smarty pants. Tim Lennon. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chris Hall says, My current favorite is Midnight Meat Train. The one with the sadistic trucker getting revenge on the two guys is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Mark Morris says, Duel, starring Dennis Weaver. If that's who it really is. Maybe it's uh, a guy from Tremors. I don't know. No, it's Dennis Weaver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derek John says, Maximum Overdrive. Jeepers Creepers, but my favorite is Christine. Seems like the the most obvious one we didn't talk about. But we you guys just talked one. about it like two episodes ago. I know, I just meant it wasn't even mentioned on this one. In the, just obvious. It's obvious. We know that one. Uh, Tim Lenerer does say Horror Express is the first one oh, that came to mind. Damn it! <laughs> With a killer yeti and psychic eyeball fluid. I freaking love that movie, but I know and, I've talked about it before, so I didn't put it on our list. But oh, okay. But you could uh, that that was before you. So let me hear what you have to say. Oh, it, it, everything Tim just said, plus Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and Telly Savalas. Yeah. He says, "Oh, and Peter Cushing explaining that none of the people in his group could be more could be the monster because they are British." He likes that part. Horror Express is good, huh? It's batshit awesome. crazy awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's Bigfoot on a train, but it's not really Bigfoot. It's like an alien that goes around possessing people. Just so happens it starts with an unfrozen Bigfoot. That's bonkers. Yeah. Benjamin Chi says, does alien count? So, well, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike Franklin says, as a young kid, I saw Maximum Overdrive on Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. That film will always hold a special place in my heart. Agreed. Totally. Love it. Dave Thomas says, Deathline slash Raw Meat. Ooh, another good one. Jacob McLaughlin says, Train to Busan, the first zombie movie to impress me in quite some time. Probably the best since Shaun of the Dead. He clearly hasn't seen Collapse. I mean, <laughs> That's right. So anyway, but yeah, he's probably right. Uh, and he says, co-signed. Oh, Tim Leonard tags in and says, co-signed. That movie is amazing. Michael Dixon says, yep, that was my pick. Willis Wheeler says, maximum overdrive. Matthew J. Stacy says, There's loads of classics, but I did enjoy Flight of the Living Dead. Dumb as mud, but fun. It's very true. It is dumb as mud, but it is fun. Okay. Seconded that. Directly. Joel Gacy says, Train to Busan. Sean the Meat Man Davis says, Maximum Overdrive is definitely a favorite, and of course, you can't forget Christine. I also enjoy Final Destination. They make me laugh 
and not want to get on planes. Yeah. It's true. That's true. Or on the highway behind anything carrying a pole of yeah, any no sort. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> Kylie Nagel says, if alien counts, then alien. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of alien. Yeah. Derek Wyrather says, I second this. So it is, the motion's been passed. Michael Dixon says, not sure if the hitcher counts. Fuck. Hell yeah, it does. As horror. But what? The, but the original was good fun. How it's is a- it not a fucking horror movie? Movie scared shit out of me. Well, the tour. The cover of Frog don't, scared the shit out don't of say, you. Don't say TH <laughs> word. Well, you know, we'll yeah. get into that another day. <clears throat> All right. Uh, where was I? Oh, Mike Murphy, Badass Booze Body Count says, Hmm, most recent, Train to Busan. Vintage, Night Train Murders. <laughs> Anybody? That almost got put on the list. Oh, that movie is so much fun. <laughs> so it's your oh, guys' no, think, kind of movie. Me, you're thinking, you're of, thinking Night, of Night Train to Terror. Night Train yeah. to Terror. Yes, I am. Damn. Which almost got put on the list, but then, and then I kind of felt sorry for Terry, so I didn't put it on the list. <laughs> Isn't Night Train Murders the last house on the left on the train? Oh, gosh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why I almost put that one on the list. Both of which are on shutters, so... Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I just have the Blu-ray of Night Train to Terror. I missed out on getting the 7-inch single of that song, though. Oh, man, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Alright, Sarah Honeycutt says Midnight Meat Train to Georgia. No. Amy Walker says Christine Jeepers Creepers Death Proof. Matt Burns says, Maximum Overdrive. Roman Zwinger says, The Fly. Transportation from Transport- one pod to the it's other, sure. It's not wrong. Nah. <laughs> Roman, you're clever. And then we got this Justin Beam kid. Who? I know, he left. He just. I think he just named them all. He just made his own list and, <laughs> and wrote them all down. Here we go. Get Get comfortable. Guess what number one is. Christine. Yes. All right, good call. Alien. No, <laughs> you might think. Christine, Night Train to Terror, Duel, Maximum Overdrive, The Car, Train to Basan, Terror Train, Jeepers Creepers, High Tension, Jason Takes Manhattan, also awesome, on a boat. He's on a boat, yeah. Uh, Drive Angry, should have known he'd have picked that. Yeah, That's Drive Angry is awesome. Strangers on a Train. Blowout. Yeah, oh, yeah. Blowout. And Death Valley. Okay. No more <laughs> commentary on Justin's picks? Alright. <laughs> Edward Smith says, Wrong turn. Yeah, I love wrong turn. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Jim C. Faust Jr. says, Ghost Ship. I hope he means the George Kennedy version and not the uh, Dark Castle one. <laughs> or it's That's just the opening scene of the Dark Castle one. Yeah. The one, the George Kennedy one is, is freaking awesome crazy. Up next, we got Tina Schmidt. She says, I didn't get to all of them on the list, but I liked Train to Busan, 
I really liked Midnight Meat Train, and of course, all caps, Jeepers Creepers! Yeah. Yeah, it's Dual 2.0. <laughs> Robert Evans says, I bought a vampire motorcycle. <laughs> I've always wanted to see that. <laughs> yeah, same Well, oh, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he telling us that? Like, I'm so excited for you. Send me pictures. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, Safi Donna slash hyphen Leah Champion says, Creep. Creep. Depends on which one. Okay. There's more than the one. one. with the... If it's the... Um, if it's the later one, the... Um, What's his name? Yeah. Mark Duplass one. Think, no, I think they're yeah. talking That's about the one that takes place on the subway. Uh, oh, yeah, that one. Okay, all right. Subway. Yeah. Transportation. I think we talked about that. Maybe it was off air. We talked about that on how... Uh, yeah, how that was like a terrible box cover and none of us saw it because the box was so bad. <laughs> and lastly on Facebook, we got Blood Car by Robert Evans. Blood Car. Oh, I've seen that. There's a small but lively subgenre of movies about vehicles that run on blood. Yeah. For real. And I'm a little surprised. One, no, hmm? I think that one might be on uh, Shutter. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. I know which one you're talking about now. You're right. It is on Shutter. It's like this guy tries to like formulate a way of his car running on like just like vegetables and grass. And he can't. And he discovers that his car has a taste for blood. Ooh, uh, so he, uh, yeah. So he murders people to get his car to go. Because gas is like $100 or something. I don't remember. Now hearing all these titles has kind of got the wheels turning. I'm surprised uh. no one's mentioned the cars that ate Paris. <laughs> got the wheels I turning. thought about that one. It's been so long since I've seen that that I don't even remember it. Bunch of backseat commenters. <laughs> What's that? Anyway, so moving on to Twitter. We got 22 Shots Podcast at 22 Shots Podcast said, besides the obvious classics, I'll throw out Altitude from 2010. The Langoliers, 1995. And do ski lifts count? Frozen, <laughs> 2010. That's true. It's good ones. And then uh, lastly on Twitter, we got Don Anelli says, at Don underscore Anelli says, I really enjoyed Flight of the Living Dead. And a special mention to old school film Craze by Charles Band, which is just cheesy fun. Craze. Charlie Band. No, no, Everybody? no, no. What do you mean, no, 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 no? Bad? I, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have on the Twitter. And the Twitter. no phone calls yet, but if they do, they We'll play them here, but um, you can always call in, leave your message, your comment at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP, and that's shout-outs.
Yay! Okay, so thank you for that, Jason. And now it is time for Wicked Words with where or Wicked Women. Over. <laughs> wicked Women with Where Terror. Today, I will be talking about the amazing Sigourney Weaver um, trivia. Her actual name is Susan, oh. so we're glad that she made that switch for the stage name. Um, but yeah, uh, she's been around for a while. Her first quote-unquote role was... It? tiny little part in Annie Hall back in 77 that's kind of where she got her start um but her first major breakthrough role was definitely in Alien in 79 gotta love Alien um and she's really I mean she gets hailed as a you know she's like the sci-fi queen because she was in the Alien films but she really hasn't done a lot of horror sci-fi you know most of her uh filmography is actually like more drama dramas and and comedies but she's just so good that we claim her anyway um (laughs) then of course the next big sci-fi or horror role was in ghostbusters dana in 84 and, you know, throughout this, she's did, like, Gorillas in the Mist and Working Girl, like, tons of big titles, but, um, and then she did Ghostbusters 2 and some more Alien films, and then the next, um, she did Copycat, which is close enough to be considered horror, I think, it's usually more categorized as a, a thriller, I guess. I'm sure Mike appreciates that. Um, (laughs) And then she also did Snow White, A Tale of Terror. I don't know if anyone's seen that. I thought it was kind of cool. Creepy Snow White. It's always good by me. I like creepy fairy tales. Um, But yeah. uh, The main thing I wanted to get to is that, you know... Nowadays, we mostly see her in, like, those bit parts, you know. The movie get... visit about evil grandparents is in theaters now. Just in time to scare... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what she, what that lady said. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, we get her, you know, like, Cabin in the Woods or Paul... Or movies like that where she gets kind of thrown in, or the new Ghostbusters even, where they get kind of thrown in there just for, you know, the face and the name. Um, But she is now um, a part of these cool uh, short films that Neil Blomkamp is doing. she, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but the first one's awesome. The it's first so one, good. one is is it Raka? Is that how yeah. you say it? Mm-hmm. I yeah? I think that's, that's how I was saying it. Yeah, 
but she's I'm guessing she has a fairly prominent role in that. She does. Okay. So yeah, that's um and where is that is that available just on YouTube or where else yeah, can you well, find that? Um I think I can't remember what player I was watching it on. It might have been Vimeo. Um uh, but you know, this first one I think is gonna be free and then I don't know if the next ones are going to be, but I think because they're going to be released on Steam, which is a video game platform. Right, that yeah, that's what Brian was telling us the last show or so. And that's almost exactly what I said, and y'all laughed at me. That's true, we but did he, laugh. But he can say it's a video game thing, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still laughing. But yeah, um... <laughs> So she's, um, and I think she's pegged to be in at least a couple more of the shorts, possibly. So keep an eye out for that. And also, I'm super excited that she's going to be um, a role in the upcoming The Defenders series. Oh, really? No. Yeah, with, you know, Jessica Jones and Daredevil and those guys. So she's in eight episodes. Oh, wow. So. Cool. She must be a pretty decent-sized role. So, yeah, she's still kicking. Doing stuff. Making the monies. Sweet. And now, presenting you with the greasiest feast since that goose he cooked last Christmas, the man whose favorite game is Patty Cake, Patty Cake Bullshit Artist, Insane Mike Saunders! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so it's not going to be much of an insane's picks this episode. Uh, I just want to announce that I recently acquired, thanks to a really cool dude, um, the Violent Shit collection on DVD. And so <laughs> over the next couple episodes of the show, I'm going to be reviewing all the movies within that uh, within that set. Now, I have seen. I've only ever seen up till now, which is known as Violent Shit 3, but the um, uh, alternative cinema release of it, uh, a.k.a. Zombie Doom, with one of the single worst overdubbed jobs in the history of cinema. Since they invented a microphone. Um, so bad. So the the only thing I really want to talk about for this particular episode, going out of order, is Violent Shit Part Three, aka Zombie Doom, because that was the first one I watched. Because I wanted to know if this was had a better dub job. So the first thing I've noticed with the set, it's all in its original German with subtitles. So that's awesome. So it is a whole new experience. Watching huh. Violent Shit 3. It's still... A lot of the dialogue is still just as bad. Um, but not quite so many shits and pisses as um, the Zombie Doom one had. Um, or pukes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So not not as bad as um, that alternative cinema hmm. dub. Um, now, the, the audio is still horrendous in, in, on, on all of these films. So... Um, 
it's not going to get uh, not going to get a pass versus Zombie Doom in that regard. But I can't wait to watch all of these because to talk about Zombie Doom, whether it's Zombie Doom, the Zombie Doom version or Violent Shit Three, this movie for me is a lot of fun. Um, watching the Zombie Doom version is, is so much fun because I just love making people watch it and just look at that that look on their face as if I um, was drowning babies in a bathtub and making them watch that. That's the kind of reaction I get when people watch Zombie Doom with its horrible dub job. But if you can get past that, it's probably the most creative out of the franchise as it goes over the top with the gore and um, uh, is what little bit of story that is in this movie um, is definitely more creative than than in the others because basically there's a whole army of people that follow um, the uh, the butcher and his beliefs on this island and there just happens to be zombies that are being created by this this Nazi scientist and then these ninjas show up and so yeah it's just batshit crazy it's like they he just wanted to put everything that he thought was cool in the movie without attempting to build a story around it but what I didn't realize watching zombie doom all these years and never seeing the movie raw force until this past year is that zombie doom is is a poor man's version of raw force which is saying they have a ninjas lot. show up at the end too and well yeah basically in raw force it's a group of uh karate experts that are on this boat <laughs> that gets hijacked and they end up in this island where there's zombies uh-huh. And they kung fu the shit out of them. So, uh, Rough Horse is is an amazing movie, and it's definitely superior in, in quality and execution to uh, Zombie Doom. But Zombie Doom or Violent Shit Three is so much fun. It is the epitome of make your own damn movie it's in your backyard. Like tin foil on cardboard masks. masks. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Amazing. Very amazing. But some fun creative gore scenes, you know, oh, like the guy that gets split in half by that he does he goes and does a jump kick at somebody holding up a machete and gets split in half by the machete. Right. You know? Couldn't possibly happen. <laughs> but it yeah, the they they do some creative shit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so um so that's where I'm just where I'm starting now, you know, starting with part three, just because it's the only one I I've watched through the entirety out of this set. But that's what you can have to look forward to over the next couple episodes is my review of the movies in the Violent Shit franchise, including Violent Shit Four that I didn't even know existed until I got this box set. So very very awesome. Can't wait for that. So that's really it for this uh, for this uh, episode of Insane's Picks. But uh, you're looking forward to hearing more about the violent shit films, the franchise. The franchise. <laughs> they have included Zombie '90 on there, which I've already seen once before too, and it's that was really horrible really, of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's re- it's really really bad, gotcha. and I'm gonna suffer through it again in its original German. Because the other other version I've seen was also super shitty, 
dub job because it's on. It was a bonus feature on the Zombie Doom disc. So anyway, but they, but they don't get give really. What's that? If you, if you could ever really call that movie a bonus, <laughs> <laughs> more like here, you throw this away. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, very true. Very true. So that's it then for this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. We made it to the finish line. Ooh. I'm just trying to think of puns. We're not high five. It was good. It was a good. Sorry, go ahead. Good try. Better than what I had. So, okay. so thanks everybody for listening. Um, again, uh, if you want to help us out and keep this show going, uh, donate to our Patreon, Patreon.com/backslash/aotkp. Get some bonus content like oh I don't know extra episodes. Uh, here's the thing, I'm going to get on a soapbox about this real quick. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of podcasts are doing the Patreon thing. One of the things I think is kind of bullshit is they take their back catalog, which has previously been free all these years, and giving you that as extra content for donating to their Patreon. That's not what we're doing. We're giving you all new content with bonus episodes with our Patreon. Only available on patreon exactly so check us out check out our patreon campaign and for as little as a dollar a month that's right you can get that you could start getting some cool perks so thanks again for listening and we will talk to you again soon here on attack of the killer podcast oh no could this be the end of attack of the killer podcast